Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Monday, but it's Tuesday already. That's the good news. Hey, it's the sports animals. Maybe that's the bad news on ESPN <laughs> Honolulu. We're here with you this morning on the Bobby Curran Show as uh, Bobby Curran is, uh, um, you know, working to get better and get back in this seat here. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman and uh, really the top stories we're looking at today. Max Holloway loses decisively to Aussie Alexander Volkanowski. Yeah, I was hoping at least if he was going to lose, it would be a little bit closer. It didn't sound like that. Seeing the highlights, very decisive, as you said, unfortunately. Tiger Woods is back. Live Golf is in full swing. This is a great time to be a golf fan. A lot of big tournaments coming up this month. The Open is the next major coming up. Can't wait. Live Tour survives week two. <laughs> NBA free agency is uh, going on. Got some uh, signings over the weekend. The latest rumor. Kevin Durant back to the Golden State Warriors? Mm-hmm. Nothing should ever shock us, even though on the surface that sounds crazy, but maybe it will happen. Maybe that's the right move for both parties. Expand, please. Well, I mean, they won two championships with Kevin Durant, and when they won 73 games, they didn't stand pat. They went out and got a Kevin Durant. They, they're they not afraid of uh, upgrading their roster. It's again on the surface. It sounds a little surprising in the how he left. You know, he didn't get along with Draymond Green then. They get along fine now, but uh. again, you would not think that would be the first choice for Durant. But it makes sense if you want to win again, you want to survive your legacy. And as oh. much as I I, I, I uh, backed up Durant going to the Nets, when you have a star that keeps jumping from team to team to team, I think mm-hmm. it takes away from a legacy as opposed to a Michael Jordan, yeah. Kobe Bryant, and others. Yep, you know. Um... I'm trying to check the Golden State. What I don't know. I last time when he left, who was it? Oklahoma City to join the um, Golden State Warriors. Everyone said, "Ah, you can't beat him. You, you know, you can't beat him." So you joined him. Boo, boo, boo. And uh, and that's when he started doing the burner phones and stuff like that. But now, okay, you know what? You need your own team. You know, that's what they say. Oh, he wanted his own team, even though. He was the MVP, and he was the reason they won those championships. It wasn't his team. It was Steph Curry's team. So he went off to make his own team. Well, that didn't work. So let me join the Warriors again so that I can win a championship. I don't know. If I'm a Warriors fan, I say thanks, but no thanks. We did just fine without you. But here's the other part I think people are missing about these rumors and stories. Okay, Durant with Golden State. Durant's talking to Golden State. You're leaving out one important factor there, not you but others. The Brooklyn Nets have a say in where he goes. It's not uh-huh. like Durant's making his own move, and it keeps on. Well, Durant has met on Miami and Phoenix as his top choices. Well, that's fine. They don't owe him any favors, and they shouldn't do him any favors. So the Brooklyn Nets will determine where he goes, not Kevin Durant. I find it funny how you have a negative perception of Kevin Durant. In the past three years, It's, it's every time I say stuff like this, you defend him. 
As soon as he not he's not on the Brooklyn Nets, now he's a dirtbag? I wouldn't call him a dirtbag yet, but I, I think would. it affects his legacy. Well, I haven't gone that far, but, yeah, I'm not as big of a fan of his, obviously, for all this. And <laughs> it's just, you know, part of it is just the reasoning. They so fired one of his assistant wait coaches, Wait a minute. Too. Okay, yeah. so yeah. obviously you're not a fan of his anymore. So what you were saying before the last three years was just fanboy talk. It wasn't little. your great. It wasn't your greatest analysis. It was because he's on my team. No, I that's mean, what, that, so. Uh, we're not getting the real. Uh, we're not really getting the real stuff from you, Gary. Sure, you are. I mean, as far as being a great player, he's always been a great player. Will continue to be a great player. Do I love him as much as I did as a player before? No, not not so much because <laughs> he's leaving my team. That's part of it. Yes. <laughs> But it's also uh-huh. because of how he's doing it. I mean, this came out of nowhere, and you just pledged loyalty. But, again, I mean, the Kyrie thing is still not a reason to leave. They fired one of his assistant coaches who's been there since he's been at OKC. That uh-huh. didn't sit well. Still, uh-huh. I, I don't like players doing this generally, and you know that. So it takes a little bit away of how I perceive him. He's a better? big baby. He's a big baby. He's a big baby. He's no better than 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 – the spoiled millionaires we talk about a lot on this show. It, look, you signed a contract. That you know, it's it's well, James Harden. You know, he got to pout his way off a, a team or two. Why can't I pout my way off the team? Anthony Davis pouted his way off the team. And, and look at and look at the, the teams that are the teams that are trending up. The teams that are trending up are the New Orleans Pelicans without Anthony Davis. Maybe one of the best things to happen to him is have him leave, take your injuries and go out to go out to L.A. And you know, you look at uh, Kevin Durant. He left the Golden State Warriors. Well, finally Clay got healthy and they win a championship. They don't need you, Kyrie Irving. If Kyrie Irving didn't play next year, no one would miss him. Maybe maybe you miss him for a, for a, a, a few weeks. By the end of the season, you don't realize he's gone. That's just the nature of. Hollywood, and that's the nature of sports. So these guys, these guys' inflated opinion of their own self-worth, it's got to be tough on somebody like Kevin Durant. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, their, their inflated opinion, I mean, I don't know how it could be inflated when they are amongst the greatest players of the game. Right, but the rules don't pertain to them. Hey, these rules are for everybody else. Showing up at the practice, that's for everybody else, not me. You know what? It's in the middle of the season, and, you know, some uh, bad things are going on in the world. They stormed the Capitol, and, well, I'm not going to play for a week. I'm going to take a week off because uh, I got upset by the news. Yeah. You know, you sign a contract to show up and play. You know, they raise the ticket prices for all the fans because they're paying you $150 million or whatever it is. Well, then you're obligated to show up and play. No, everyone else is, not me. I'm Kyrie. I'm Kevin. I'm James Harden. I know I signed a contract. A month later, I want out. Yeah, well, just, Kevin, it, does, Kevin hasn't pulled a no-show. I mean, what Kyrie did and what Harden has done. They all, they, they done they all have their own version of selfishness. They really do. I wouldn't go that far with Durant. I mean, the others, yep, definitely. The others, definitely. I would I would agree. There's no defending that. But Durant, mm-hmm. this is the first time he's asked for a trade. It's not that it's the first time under contract. The other one, he was a free agent. Just people were mm-hmm. surprised. But, yeah, this does make him look uh, a little bit more like Kyrie than how he looked previously, that's for sure. Okay, so now what we're talking about is I, I don't even know if he's trying to get to the Golden State Warriors. Word is that he was just – they asked the Warriors 
if uh, you guys would want Kevin Durant back. And the players were like, yeah, sure, why not, you know. And, and when you say that, okay, now he gets along with Draymond Green, he gets along with Draymond Green because he's not playing with Draymond Green. As soon as they get back on the court and Kevin Durant starts being a Kevin Durant, Draymond Green's going to speak up, he's going to get in your face, and there's going to be problems in the locker room. I guarantee it. But I don't I, think this is going to happen. It's just it's just they're asking yeah. the Golden State Warriors, would you want to have him back? It would be a much better story if they said, no way, you. They, uh, they all, supposedly, if they did make a trade, it would be with Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, Kaminga, and a few mm, uh, draft Don't do it. Don't, good. Do, don't do it. Oh, the Nets, the I wouldn't La- mind the Nets the Lakers, doing that. The La- that. That's called the Lakers. The Lakers did that already. The Lakers did that, and it didn't work. Let's get rid of all of our young talent and hire these old, battered, injured guys because we want a championship this year. You're better than that at Golden State. That's not how you operate. That's true. That's true. So, that, yeah, again, I'd, I'd be happy if the Nets did that. All things that been out there in the last week or two, I would take that in return. But I don't think that's going to happen either. And, you know, again, the talk now is that it might not happen for months, where last week the talk was could happen in 24 hours, the trade. That has died down, and the Nets are under no obligation to make a trade now, tomorrow, next week, or next month. And Durant doesn't have a choice in this. He, again, it's not up to him. So, I mean, I hope the Nets, you know, stand their ground a little bit. Maybe make them play a little for them, although that wouldn't benefit them in the long run in case he gets hurt or whatever. But, you know, it's not like they have a sense of urgency, and they shouldn't. Yeah. I, I think that what they should do is, is, and I'm sure the other owners all over the league are saying, yeah, don't trade him. Play him. And if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. But, you know, let, 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 let him know that just because you want out, you don't get out. You signed a deal. You, we had an agreement. You, you wrote, you signed on the dotted line, and now somebody hurt your feelings? They didn't they didn't sign Kyrie to a, whatever it was, or the assistant coach that you liked got fired? Well, suck it up, buttercup. Be, be a grown-up. I agree, and I've always said that about signing contracts. I hate when anybody holds out or demands this or that. So I, I'm not happy about this. And, again, the Nets are under no obligation. Everybody thinks you ask for a trade, you get traded. And as I said Friday, you shouldn't even have contracts with the amount of years anymore because it doesn't mean anything. But, again, <laughs> the Nets don't have to. These four years, I mean, that's yeah. a long time to be under contract. Don't give in. I mean, again, yeah. I, I, I like Durant. I know you don't like him. I like him. But still, this is wrong. This is wrong how he's going about it. Just for asking, I don't know if he demanded it, but wanting a trade when you're under contract, I, I hate that. And if they yeah. say no, I mean, is he going to pout even more? Is he going to pull a Kyrie? Boy, I hope not, but it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that that'll be that'll be your legacy. Is you're you're, you're the big powder because you're, you're a big baby. That's what you. They're going to remember that more than than championships. A lot of guys have won two championships, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, and they're going to say his legacy is going to be well. He couldn't win win one without Steph. That's going to be the legacy. Could be, could be. <laughs> because Steph, could, Steph, Steph has won a couple without him. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. So that's mm. a good point, and I, I get the fact that. Again, what superstar, one of the best ever, the GOATs. I mean, LeBron's done, and I think it's taken away a little bit from his legacy, to me at least, the fact mm-hmm. that he had to keep going around all over to get a championship. Uh, I like players that spend the majority, if not their whole career, in one city. Again, going back to a Jordan yeah, for the most that part of Kobe. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. It rarely happens. It doesn't happen. It rarely happens in baseball. Even the great, you know, pools is, you know, has is, is been with a, a couple of teams. Tom Brady, 
you would think that guy would stick <laughs> yeah. with one team, right? right I mean, right. it just doesn't. You got Steph Curry, you got a couple of guys here and there, but you know Patrick Mahomes will probably always be a Kansas City Chief. But you know, I, I it just doesn't happen. I mean, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are going to be a rarity. Although, who knows? Maybe the, depending on how long those guys want to play, they might have to go somewhere else soon. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. It's, it's, we shouldn't be shocked, but I would think those would be the, maybe the more surprising if they ever left to go somewhere else because of the loyalty factor. But, again, whoever thought USC and UCLA would go to the Big Ten, that would be like <laughs> a joke. If anybody ever suggested that, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, they're under contract, too. Those schools are under contract. They leave. It does, contracts mean nothing. Yeah. Unfortunately, they should. They should mean a lot more. But different world we live in. You know, the – the um, we have Lay. Is it Ray. Lay? Hi, Ray. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Hi, Ray. Good morning. Hey, Chris. Jeez, you're firing on all cylinders this morning. My gosh. <laughs> Am I too negative? I'm Am I? St- <laughs> no, no, no. You had you had Gary on the ropes, and then you're not letting him <laughs> off. You know. <laughs> now, honestly. Golden State would be nuts to get rid of the kids that they have on the bench right now. They don't win that championship without Wiggins getting all those rebounds and scoring all those points, period. And quite frankly, I don't even think Golden State, if Jean Moran wouldn't have gotten hurt, they wouldn't even be there, in my mm. opinion. I mean, that was a good series. Yeah. You know that? There's some nice, good, young guns coming up in the NBA, and I'm excited for that. And the Pelicans getting healthy again, you know, there's some good talent out there. But to your point that you were saying about players playing, chasing championships, Gary, wouldn't you rather see Mike Trout in the playoffs? You know, I mean, he's going to be stuck with the Angels that are going pretty much nowhere. You know, and, and that guy is something else. He's great to watch, you know. So, anyway, I, I just was listening to you, uh, Chris, and I said, man, this guy is on fire this morning. <laughs> we need more July the 4th barbecue or something. Great. Great <laughs> show this morning. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Thank you, Ray. Thanks, Have Ray. a good day. Have a good day. It's uh, quarter after six with the animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Let's go. Let's talk about Memphis a little bit. I mean, um, Desmond Bain, John Morant, um, Stephen Adams. You know, Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson. Junior. Yeah, he's real good. Yeah, wow. They have him on their depth chart as the third power forward. Interesting. Did he... Just have some kind of surgery? He was out probably more than half the year and came back at the end of the season. I think he got hurt in the offseason, too, or after the Mm. season playoffs ended. So I think he is still hurt, yes. But he's a starter when healthy. Right. And you have John Morant and you have a couple of players. They shouldn't be that good. They shouldn't be as good as as they played down the stretch. I mean, John Morant is all that. But when you talk about the Pelicans, and um, Ray was mentioning – they're healthy again. Zion Williamson um, over the weekend agreed to that five-year whatever rookie extension deal. It's worth up to $231 million. They showed some video of him 
it was like dunking on some kids that he was playing with, like at YMCA yeah. or something like that. But Doesn't I mean, still, it just right, right. But it shows that he's, you know, he's, he's that he's, you know, he's still explosive as ever. I mean, yeah. it was like he was standing still, and all of a sudden he just, I mean, it, it wasn't even like he jumped. It was like he got shot out of the floor up to the basket. He's not that tall. How tall is he? I think he's six listed five, at six, nine. Six, six. Oh no, I think he's six nine. Oh, yeah, he's pretty okay. Maybe, not maybe he feet, looks. But. Or maybe he looks smaller because he's wider, but I mean that guy, boy. I mean just the power, and his legs. But think about the New Orleans Pelicans. CJ McCollum I mean, made a big difference when they got him in the trade. I agree, and I hope Zion's healthy because they should be dangerous. Yeah, coming up in about twenty minutes, Alex Schiffer from the Athletic uh, will join us, and uh, he'll talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I guess we're talking about Kyrie Irving again and uh, uh, Kevin Durant. Mostly, yes, yes. All right, coming up uh, soon on ESPN Honolulu. If you'd like to text in, the Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420. You can call as well. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Keep it here. We'll be right back with more on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast. Hey, we got more passing showers today. High today, about 87. Probably not going to feel like it, hopefully, because trades 15 to 25 miles per hour. I got to make sure I tape down my uh, my toupee. I don't want that thing blowing in the wind. <laughs> that can be embarrassing when you're out and about, you know. <laughs> anyway, I, you know what? We have a let's take a break from uh, let's take a break from uh, NBA free agency for a moment. Max Holloway. It was sad to sad to watch. Um, he got pounded by Alexander Volkanovsky. No shame in what Max Holloway has been able to do. Um, he was he was he. They went toe to toe until towards the end of the fight. Max tried to take him down, but they just went they just went skin on skin, toe to toe, baby. They went Hawaiian style, right in the middle of the ring. Volkanovsky a little bit faster, harder punches. Uh, I don't know if uh, Max broke his nose or got his nose broken or, or what. Um, he was not in a press conference afterwards. Uh, he was whisked off to the hospital. And do we know how Max is doing now? He's okay? There, no, I've been following like, Billy Hull's report, and they still haven't heard from Max. So no uh, no news on that. But as you said, they nobody heard from him even right after the fight as he was rushed to the hospital. Hopefully That's no what I just said, yeah. So, but, what, it, what I mean, he did come out and he tweeted something that says, hey, you know what, um, I'll be back or whatever. I mean, he did he did come out to his fans and say thank you, and I believe that was via Twitter or some other yeah. social media. So, I mean, um, it was a great trilogy. It'll probably never happen again. Now, if Alexander Volkanovsky moves up to lightweight to take the uh, – there's a vacant title there. He wants to go up and get two titles. Um, who knows what's going to happen with um, – oh, gosh, what's his name? I can't remember his Conor McGregor. I mean, when's the last time that guy's fought? But, you know, Conor McGregor is not going to be Conor McGregor, you know, the Conor McGregor from five years ago. Um, So I'm guessing Dana White wants to build his next Conor McGregor. And that would be, you know, pound for pound. They say now the best fighter in the world is Alexander Volkanovsky. So he's 
going to move up to 150. Is it 155? Yes. Is 155 lightweight? I got a boxing, and I'm still on the boxing scale. But anyway, you got Max Holloway, who they say might move up to 155. <laughs> There's Volkanovski in the way. I don't know. You know, Max has you know had a great run, great six years. I think he was uh, you know five or six years that he's had. That's a long time. That's a long time it, to, to be on the top of the, you know, your, your weight class or be one of the top guys. Um, it doesn't happen a lot in the fight game. So if Max Holloway never fights again, you know, we should be so proud because Max Holloway is up there with Hawaii's greatest athletes of all time. When you talk about Carissa Moore and Jerry Lopez and some of the, the the great you know surfers we've had and John DeSoto and I keep bringing up John DeSoto I know it, it's because I as a kid I loved motocross but I mean some of the best champions that we've had you know our Heisman Trophy winners great college football players and Marcus Mariota and Tua Tonga I mean Max Holloway is up there maybe you know the great sumo wrestlers we've had Max Max Holloway is right there at the top Right there at the top, Easily and I'm including. Uh, yeah, I'm. 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 You know, you can talk about Andy Gannigan and all of these these uh, guys we've had in the fight game, but I don't know. You, sorry, BJ Penn. You know, Max Holloway, top of the list, top of the heap, right there. If he never fights again, and if he fights again, hey, you know what? Go out for some money. I mean, be like. Be like Rocky and Rocky Three. Just have somebody get some. Do those. Uh, do those Blaisdell fights with uh, what was the guy with the hula skirt? Dennis, Dennis Alexio. Dennis Alexio. Is he is he out of prison or? I don't know if he's out of prison, but I don't, he's uh, out of the ring. That's for sure. But yeah, he. But was I mean, the Dennis Alexio and his hand-picked guys that he would have in the <laughs> ring at the Blaisdell. Yeah. Hey, you know what? If you're Max Holloway, go down to the, go down to the. You know, put together a local card. Max Holloway is fighting it. Max, Max, you be the promoter. You keep all the money. And keep doing that for a few years. I'm okay with it, man, because I'm going to go watch. That He's one of the best of sad. all time. Not best fighters, but best athletes out of Hawaii of all time. I hope it doesn't come to that for him anytime soon. I'm hoping he can still fight. If it's at 155, as everybody's suggesting, maybe just not go after the top guy right away. And maybe, you know, whether he works his way back up, I don't know. But at least, you know, still compete on that level. I mean, aren't there well, a lot of fighters that he probably would have beaten if it wasn't named Volkanovski last week? Oh, sure. I mean, Max Holloway is still in the top ten when you're talking pound-for-pound pound fighters in the UFC. He's one of the, He's still one of the top guys. I'm just saying if he never fights again and says, you know what, I'm going to go, uh, I'm gonna go uh, uh, make more kids, I'm going to be with my wife, and all of that, I'm okay with that. He can still fight at a high level. Don't get me wrong. Um, I don't think that he'll ever be able to beat Alexander Volkanovsky. It was close. It was questionable after the last two fights. But after yesterday, it's um, it's now Vol- Volkanovski is too strong, and in a few years, Volkanovski is going to be in the same situation as Max Holloway, Conor McGregor, and everybody else. That's just how it works. Right. Volkanovski said that he broke his hand in the second round of the fight too, which yeah. makes it even more amazing. And you mentioned Dana White. I almost forgot until I read up. He wasn't around all week. For what, nobody knows why, but so he wasn't able to give statements about what's next for either of these fighters because he wasn't on site or wasn't available. He was. He was. He was out of the country. Apparently, him and Daniel Snyder were out of the country. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Gosh. <laughs> but. 
make a convenient excuse, I guess. It, but. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch Max with blood all over his face, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen, like, BJ Penn, we've seen BJ fight, and we've seen him with blood all over his face and him licking his gloves after winning, you know. But it was it was tough to see uh, Max just get beat to the punch time after time. That was tough to watch. But, hey, Volkanowski's a stud, man. That guy is strong. Yeah, he is the real deal. I like one of Max's tweets said, "Don't cry for me, Argentina." <laughs> that was kind of that's the well, that's what I was talking about. That yeah. was after the fight. Don't yeah. cry for me, Argentina. I'll be back. But yeah, right. but interesting tweet there. But at least he never went down. I mean, he he was, went the distance. And I mean, some fighters. I don't want to say that really putting other fighters down, but other fighters might not have been able to go the, go the distance in that fight. The way uh, they were getting yeah, I mean, they were just they were you know. I, I don't know that Max was getting beat so bad that he was that I mean you could see a couple of punches stung him, but I don't I wasn't afraid of Max getting knocked out or anything in that fight. Although anything's possible, right? Yeah. But you you know you saw it. You, I mean you you weren't under the impression. Oh my gosh, he's he's wobbling. He's gonna go down. No, I just think that just says a lot because just maybe the blood made it look like he he could have gone down a little easier with the fact that he didn't. And if, I mean, I I thought it was close, but you could kind of tell either way, even without if you're biased or not, that Volkanovski was going to win that fight after the, the last round. You could kind of sense that, but I think it was kind of close, and it was unanimous, but it wasn't like that decisive. But you can yeah. clearly see that it wasn't Max's night. Mm-hmm. It was anyway. Uh, it's a uh, good, you know, and we got some young and upcoming fighters uh in uh, mixed martial arts so uh we uh we move on because in hawaii we like the scrap that's just how it goes yeah. hey uh come on down to db grill in Kapolei. they got some great local grinds with an asian cuisine twist they kimchi fries and ginger pork and lup chong fried rice calamari katsu sounds fantastic and don't forget they've got handcrafted soju carafes or a beer bucket. They're open daily for lunch and dinner. Visit dbgrillhi.com or follow them on social media at dbgrillhigh. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the YNI Coast. NBA never has an offseason. It seems going to be like the NFL. they got Summer League starting this week, free agency and trades galore. And joining us now on ESPN Honolulu, we're going to get into it more with what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets as we are joined by Alex Schiffer, the Brooklyn Nets beat writer for The Athletic in New York City. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Before we talk about what's ahead, can you maybe give us a little bit more insight on why Kevin Durant specifically wanted this trade as he asked for it last Thursday? Yeah, I mean, to rewind three years ago when Kevin and Kyrie signed with the Nets, you know, they were given a lot of control really up front with the organization. You know, they got DeAndre Jordan, their pal, in on a four-year, $40 million deal with Jared Allen on the roster. You know, they had influence in Steve Nash getting the coaching job. And, I, I mean, obviously none of this has gone according to plan in terms of on-court performance. You know, KD and Kyrie, I think, only played 44 games together. James Harden came and went. And I just think... Kevin has been left at the altar by Harden. None of this has worked. The Warriors have won without him. The Celtics have won without Kyrie. And there was, kind of, there was a growing feeling of that this, that this just wasn't going to work. And the organization's disinterest in giving Kyrie a long-term contract seemed to be the straw that broke the camel's back on a lot of this. You're That's just, the Spark Notes version. 
<laughs> Just on Kyrie, we have seen so many times in sports where I understand why the Nets didn't want to give him a long t- uh, max extension or a long time extension. Extension, but in a way, shouldn't they maybe have overpaid just to keep the team more intact without Harden? Because we have seen like the New York Yankees paying Derek Jeter or other teams overpaying, even in the NBA, just to keep everybody happy for the time being. Do you think they made a mistake in not giving Kyrie more years? Yeah, you know, I, I first off, I know you said keep the team intact. I mean, was the team really ever together because of this revolving door of injuries, attrition, et cetera? Um, I kind of think it was a lose-lose situation for the Nets. If they gave Kyrie the full max, the five years, $250 million, and his spotty attendance continued, they were going to get crushed, right? They had, all, you know, people would say, oh, they had all the evidence they need to not give him this. He already was half-checked out, and then they gave him the bag anyway. But now they went the other route, and they knew the risk of losing Kevin Durant, and here we are, right? So I felt like they had a tough hand to begin with, but, like, you know, you're, you're talking about a max contract that's paying $50 million a year or more on the back end of it for a guy that's not available that much. That's a tough pill to swallow, in my opinion, uh, when you think about the luxury tax and the repeater tax and how that $54 million ends up being way more on the bill because of the, the CBA rules. So... I mean, I think their stance was justified and somewhat admirable given where it got them. But, like, again, now you're looking at a potentially a dark abyss like they had after that Celtics trade in 2013. So it's a tough pill to swallow, but I think some of it's justified. Yeah, the trade for Pierce and Garnett was really, really bad. This one I thought would be a lot better, but it's not working out, as you said. On the other hand, and we were talking about this on our show a few minutes ago, why can't the Nets just tell Kevin Durant no? I mean, you're under contract for four years. We're not going to trade you. And what would happen next? Is that a possibility that they keep him, at least for the time being, and just, you know, maybe hurt his feelings a little? I think that's possible. You know, he loves to play, so I don't think he would be the kind of guy that would enjoy being sidelined if they sent him away in this one in the regular season. But I would also say the Nets want to be relevant again in the future and will it hurt them with a future free agent where it's like, Oh, look how they treated KD. He wanted out and look at everything they put him through just to get rid of him. You know, I, I do think that there is some, some hesitancy with that and, and some risk involved of do you risk hurting your free agency in a few years by, by potentially bungling this uh, mm-hmm. Kevin's exit, depending upon how you treat him and how, how intense that that could get. So, I don't disagree with the notion, but I do think that it could there could be some spillage of that down the road. You can check out Alex Schiffer on Twitter at Alex underscore Schiffer with two Fs as he joins us on ESPN Honolulu talking Brooklyn Nets basketball. Okay, so Alex, if the Nets do intend on trading Kevin Durant, whether it's this week or next month or even later on down, who do you think are the most likely candidates or scenario? Because we know that Durant wants Miami and Phoenix. But as I said earlier as well, it's not up to Durant, it's up to the Nets. Where do you think they're looking as far as getting a major haul in return? Yeah, I think those two teams, just based on what they have roster-wise, is going to be tough to swing something. I I also think, regardless of team, by the way, when this is all said and done, I feel like this is going to be like a four- or five-team trade with a ton of moving parts, given some of the CBA situations and, and roster situations. I think Toronto has a lot to offer if you want to give him, uh, Scotty Barnes the Rookie of the Year up and, you know, Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi, and you have Kevin Durant go to a core of Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam himself. Th- there's a lot to like there. Um, I think New Orleans, Zion Williamson signed the rookie agreement, so he's now off the table. But, like, Brandon Ingram, 
and some guys from there. I think that's a really you know he knows Willie Green from their time together in Golden State, the coach. So I think there's a lot to like with those two teams off the top of my head that that would be competitive with Kevin Durant and, and some of the rest of their roster, but also have something to offer the Nets. Because the Nets can't screw this up again. They have to get this right. And they've done enough of that. I mean, we hear the rumors that Durant and maybe Golden State are talking. Is that a possibility? And what happens if the Nets tell Durant, well, we just sent you to Sacramento. What is he going to do then? It's a great – first off, I would be stunned, just stunned, if he – winds up in Golden State. I I feel like there's three teams that I would bet on Kevin Durant not playing for next year in the NBA. The Knicks, the Nets, and the Warriors. You know, that relationship would run its course, and I mean, the Warriors have done everything right. They haven't made a blockbuster trade. They have all their picks. They had three lottery picks kind of sit the bench this year. Like, why screw it up if you're them if it ain't broke, right? So, I don't I don't see that as a possibility. It, it would, again, just stun me if that's what happened. And, you know, he already took a ton of uh, crap for going there. I mean, imagine what it would look like going back, I feel like. And I feel like he's conscious of that. And that's what's going to be interesting. You mentioned the Sacramento part. Like, what if the Nets say, look, we know you want to go to Miami or Phoenix, but, like, we got to look out for us and this is the best path there. So my gut tells me he'll wind up on one of his preferred teams. But, again, it's some mega trade with five, six teams that with all these moving parts to how it gets done. But – I, I do think there's a world in which they say, look, like, would you be open to Toronto? Would you be open to uh, New Orleans? And they, the Nets could make Kevin available to kind of meet with those teams and kind of talk some of that stuff out. So I, I think everything's on the table. Okay, well, let's talk about the other player, Kyrie Irving, and the possibilities there. I mean, there are conflicting reports. Last week, the Lakers were aggressively looking to get Kyrie. We heard the Westbrook trade, maybe Joe Harrison there. And now yesterday we're hearing, well, the Lakers aren't really that aggressive in trying to get him. So what's the latest with Kyrie leaving Brooklyn? Yeah, that's another trade. I think Kyrie and Russ Westbrook, if it does go down, I think it's going to involve multiple teams and not just the two of them. You know, first off, the Nets just can't take Russell Westbrook back. They can't. I mean – John Wooden could not, Mike D'Antoni, they could not concoct an offense that works with Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. You're talking about two non-shooters, <laughs> um, similar styles of play with getting down and going to the basket. I, I feel like there'd be more gymnastics involved than just that. And, I mean, going off that, you know, that when that report came out from Yahoo, it was really interesting. You know, I had people on the net side adamantly deny and say that's not possible. Why would we take Russ back? And the Lakers seem more optimistic on it happening than the Nets. But as you said, that's kind of cooled down since, too. So I, I think Kyrie will get moved to the Lakers in some capacity, but I think that's another trade that's going to take some gymnastics to work. You know, no one's talking about this. Kyrie Irving's the biggest winner in a trade. He has a $5 million trade kicker. He's going to get paid $5 million just to leave Brooklyn. We all needed a contract situation like that. So um, I, I, I think both of those trades are going to be so complex, and that's why the Nets roster is going to be so interesting. I don't know how many guys on the current roster could or could not be back next year with all the gymnastics coming on this. So I, I think that he will eventually get moved, but I also think that the Nets are going to wait to see how the, the Kevin market plays out before maybe getting to Kyrie. Alex Schiffer from the Athletic New York City joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Mentioned Sean Marks earlier, the general manager for the Nets, and he wasn't the GM when they made the really bad trade for Pierce and Garnett way back when, about nine, ten years ago. How much of this falls on him, though? I mean, at the time, it looked like the Nets were, if they were the favorites to win the NBA championship, I thought they were going to go at least to the finals, and this was kind of blown up, obviously. How much of it is on the GM? 
Yeah, I think some of it falls on him. It's funny, you mentioned that Celtics trade. I mean, that's the reason he got the job in the first place, right, was to clean that mess up. I don't think his job is in jeopardy, though, because the ownership was in lockstep with him about not offering Kyrie a max deal. You can't fire the GM for listing the ownership. I mean, who are you going to get in to follow him if that's how you do business? So I, I think some blame falls on him for perhaps either, you know, misestimating Kevin's loyalty to Kyrie and what his stance could do to, uh, to impact Kevin's situation with the Nets. But I would also say, like, again, this was such a bungled thing to begin with, with all these guys in and out of the roster, in and out of the lineup, you know, on and off the roster to where, you know, I think that some of this stuff was just bad luck, right? I mean, he didn't sign Kevin and Kyrie in the middle of a pandemic. This was before then. He never knew vaccine mandates would be a thing. You know, it was just a perfect storm in some ways as to how this this all kind of came to go the way it did, you know? Yeah, and it's been incredible the last week or two. We'll see how this plays out in the near future, and maybe it'll last a while. Alex, thanks for talking Brooklyn Nets basketball and telling us the latest on what's going on. We'll keep in touch, I'm sure. Thank you for having me. Say hello to Dog the Bounty Hunter if he's still out in Hawaii. Okay, we will definitely look him up. Thanks, Alex. And that is Alex I think Schiffer the dog. I think the dog moved. I, I, I think he relocated. I'm Colorado, not sure. Colorado, I think, right? Yeah, I don't know. Got remarried. Anyway, thank you to Alex Schiffer from uh, The Athletic NYC and theathletic.com slash NBA on ESPN Honolulu. The, uh, you know, I don't, you know, if there's a five or six team trade just for somebody to land Kevin Durant or to have Kevin Durant land where he wants, it's like, you know what, how about just shut up, play basketball, and, you know, just go win a championship for Brooklyn like you said you were going to do. I mean, if you're so special, won't other superstars come and join you? You would think of one or two. You're right. I mean, I mean, again, I, I love. We got Ben Simmons. Yeah, that's if what he wants to with. play, he can, we don't I know mean, if he'll I, ever play. Is he I ever going to play basketball again? For the Nets, I think is even a bigger question. I still wonder about that. <laughs> I, I, I fault Durant in this. I mean, I fault Kyrie. I mean, I, I fault everybody involved. Greed shouldn't be <laughs> the overlying factor, but it is. Whether the, they're not going to, I don't know it, if but it's we greed. I, it, it, greed. Well, for Kyrie, it is. For, Kyrie, for Kyrie, it is. He wanted a bigger deal. He was greedy, and I mean, he wasn't happy just getting the the well, one year. No, no, it's, and that's it's, what it's, set Durant off. No, it's ego. It's ego. Okay. He wants he wants the the biggest okay. contract possible. He wants Joker money, right? He wants a five year, two hundred sixty four million dollar deal. And somebody actually, they, they by their actions, they said, yeah, that's for people who show up for work. Well, it makes the that, All-NBA teams. He wouldn't be eligible for that. But, yeah, he, he, he does, not deserving, of course. Yeah. All right. Uh, gosh. Um, You're enjoying this, aren't you? I am. I am. <laughs> you know what else I enjoyed? For the first time in a long time, I enjoyed the uh, the big hot dog eating contest. <laughs> what a mess that was. That and more coming up with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Let's check your traffic now. Listening to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296 1420. Kachi Kachi Music Makawao. 
Well, it's the 5th of July, which means yesterday was the, uh, I don't know, 100 millionth uh, hot dog, Nathan's famous 4th of July hot dog eating contest. So Joey Chestnut, they call him Jaws. Joey, it was his 15th win. Was it that long? Has he been dominant that long? 15 years, wasn't it? Was his name Kobayashi? Yeah, yeah. That was just a few years ago, I thought. Apparently, it was more than 15 years ago. I had to give that a double take as well. It doesn't seem like he's been on top that long. And Kobayashi, I didn't think it was that long since he's been in it. I'm just, you know, the last memory of Kobayashi was uh, he didn't make the contest. And I don't know if it was a contract thing or what. Contract. And then it was uh, him, like, trying to climb on stage during the contest and security had to take him away it was a sad scene and yesterday kind of repeated itself with some people who were protesting nathan's hot dogs do you know why they were protesting nathan's hot dogs no i didn't even want to look into it when i first saw the video i thought it was staged i thought it was something that was supposed to happen because joey chestnut almost nonchalantly just just really just so casually grabbed the guy like a headlock and threw him down and just kept on eating. It was almost like a comedy routine. I didn't think it was legit at first, but it was with that protest. There was somebody actually on the other side who came up with a sign. I don't think anybody tackled that person, but that just added to the intrigue, I guess, of yesterday. Well, the person with the sign was standing next to Joey Chestnut. There were Joey two, Chest- though. Right. There was on another side of the stage or something. But with So the person comes on. Joey Chestnut, they, they said they got him in like a, you know, like a chokehold or something. Mm. It wasn't really a chokehold. It was uh, my arms around your neck, like you said, and he threw him to the ground. And he picked up his hot dog and he kept eating. I mean, that was like, that was incredible. I was like James Bond. <laughs> it was like, man, Joey Chestnut. Now he's going to be, a, he's going to get in the fight game and fight Logan Paul or something like that. <laughs> yeah, next. right, right. But the thing is, I mean, he ate 63 and won again, but it was 13 less than last year. I wonder if he's slowing down A, or he knew he was beating his closest opponent by 20. There was no reason to go for 70 when you're already up by 20. Well, and it took a little, you know, he had to stop, pause, kick some butt, and then go back to eating (laughs) the hot dogs. That that, that sure might have been the thing, but uh, I don't know. I guess this is still a thing, and a lot of people are looking forward to it. It's just, unless you have Kobayashi jumping on stage or you have some uh you know protester it's really kind of boring there were people i'm just reading the new york papers about it they were said they look forward to it every year in the last two years it was held somewhere else because of covid so the usual fans uh, weren't able to go to coney island so it was a big deal that it was back yesterday mm. I, I mean i know it is a big deal um it's maybe it would have been more c- competitive if you had a guy that you recognize battling with uh, Joey Chestnut because it's not the same as you said. Still, it's an incredible amount of hot dogs. It's an incredible well, feat. Uh, but, but Kobayashi's been out of the picture for years. Yeah, I know, I know. It's so it's, just, it's, I don't know that, I don't know, is it, I guess it's just not, it's not riveting entertainment. Look at this guy. I mean, at the end, you go, wow, that was incredible. Some guy ate 63 hot dogs in three minutes or whatever it is. That's yeah. pretty incredible. But it's not a spectator sport. I don't understand why they're trying to make it into a spectator sport. It is for the people there because they know it's going to be on national TV, and it's something that's so, I don't know, how do you say, dumb, (laughs) that it's, you know, it's like moss to to a flame. It's like, yeah, let's watch. Oh, look at the guy. Look at him stuff his face in a really unhealthy manner. Woo-hoo! While they're swigging beer on the boardwalk. That's all it is. 
but it's a but whole it's, thing Unfortunately, it's become an American tradition. It's a tradition, and they have, like, the was it the pro-eating tour or circuit. We had Joey Chestnut on our show about eight years ago. We had the Black Widow on our show, who was the women's champion a couple of times. And they go on different events all around the country. It's, it's more than just that. But, yeah, it is yeah. kind of ridiculous. It's weird. I, I mean, I didn't realize they had a lemonade chugging contest. This is only year two, but Eric Badland's Booker drank a, a gallon of lemonade in less than 30 seconds in one sip, one chug. He never stopped. That It almost looked like it was in a movie and it was fake, but he actually did it. Uh, I didn't hear the video, but I watched it. But apparently he let out a nice little uh, belch when he was done, and it wasn't little. But that that's incredible feat as well. I don't know how these people do it. And Joey Chestnut's not the biggest guy like Eric Badlands Booker. Well, I don't think you have to be a big guy. Kobayashi was even right. smaller than them. You don't have to be Which a big incredible. guy to do it. Yeah, but but that doesn't mean because you're big you can eat more. I mean, this is a total technique. I just don't know how this can be good for your body. Do they? Okay, because if I, if I, there was one, a hundred years ago, I was trying to make weight uh, in wrestling. And I had, I was, I was light, but the only opening in my sophomore year was like the 202 pound division. And so I had to gain weight in order to, I was too light. I had to gain weight in the weigh-ins. So I drank as much water as I could. And I was about to burst. I couldn't stand up straight. I'm standing on the scale. And one time, boom, it all comes out. All the water comes out. And it's like, how can you drink a gallon of lemonade in 30 seconds and then all of a sudden just belch? I mean, I heard the belch. I saw it on the news last night. It was a, it was a hearty belch. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was of, of legend. It really was. <laughs> But how did you not just throw all that stuff up? Oh, my gosh. Hey, hope you're not having breakfast. Our top stories coming up next on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Buy or sell, like or no like. No lie, boo lie. Coming up momentarily here on ESPN Honolulu. Top stories today that we are following, of course. Max Holloway loses decisively to Alexander Volkanowski. It's funny, a guy named Volkanowski is from Australia. (laughs) What's next for Max? That's the big question. Yeah, we're hearing that Max could move up to lightweight at 155. Volkanowski as well. Dana White not commenting last week. Hopefully we'll hear some good news soon. Uh, Tiger Woods is back. He was in the McManus Pro-Am yesterday shooting five over. Yeah, and he was saying getting ready for the Open, it'll be better for his leg the way his leg is right now. So the Open is his next big event coming up later on this month. That's good news. All right. NBA uh, free agency is in full swing. Uh, The Golden State Warriors team was asked if uh, they would welcome back Kevin Durant, and they said, yeah, why not, sure. We don't see that happening, although it makes for uh, a fun conversation, that is for sure. But imagine the strong getting even stronger if that were to happen. All right. Oh, former University of Hawaii pitcher Cade Halemanu's backup plan is Oregon, according to the Star Advertiser. Um, he uh, wants to get drafted. If that doesn't uh, work out for him, uh, he has uh, accepted an offer from Oregon to play baseball in the transfer portal. 
and I guess he, he knows he'll get drafted, according to him. He just wants to get drafted high enough where the money will make it worth it to leave. Now, if it's not high enough, I don't know what round that would be, then he'll actually go to Oregon and then I'll be a grad transfer. He already graduated, and uh, that was interesting to hear that news this morning or yesterday. Uh, all right. Tanner Hayworth, go to work. The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. Good morning, guys. Let's go ahead and jump straight into buy or sell today. Now, over the weekend, Minnesota got heavy in the trade talks, picking up Rudy Gobert, two-time defensive player of the year for from Utah for Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, a rookie named Walker Kessler, and first-round picks in 2023, 25, 27, 29, and a Man. pick swap in 26. Wow. And at the same time, Utah is shutting down any talks of any movement of star Donovan Mitchell. Buy or sell, the Utah Jazz are the big winners of this trade. I'm going the to sell that right now. I don't know if they're the big winners. I mean, who did they get back in return? Which one of those players are going to help them in a playoff run this year? None. None of those guys. Patrick Beverly, I, I love on defense. It's funny because he was so happy to be in Minnesota celebrating with them, and he's gone after one year. The draft picks, I don't know how good they're going to be. I wouldn't call them the easy or the early winners, and I'm not sure about Donovan Mitchell. Whatever they say now means nothing, but right now they got a lot of players, none of them really relevant. I think losers, I'm going to sell that. I don't remember what the question was, but the, if you look at the biggest loser in this, I think it's the Utah Jazz. I think the biggest winner are the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, they've got – I know he's been in the league for nine years, but Rudy Gobert is a perennial all-star when it comes to his defensive play. And now you got him and the cat, Carl Anthony Towns, a couple of twin towers in there. Anthony Edwards. Things are shaping up in Minnesota. They're headed in the right direction. This I'm going to say uh, buy. I mean sell. I mean whatever. Buy, 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 buy or sell. Sell, sell, sell. Over the weekend, Zion Williamson signed a five-year extension worth up to $231 million. Now, of course, this season, the Pelicans will get the return of Zion. They'll get the improved Brandon Ingram. And now CJ McCollum has an offseason to develop better chemistry with New Orleans. Buy or sell, the Pelicans will soar into the 2022-2023 playoffs. I'm going to buy that if they stay healthy. Zion Williamson has got to stay stay healthy. Big men with foot problems rarely last in the NBA. Let's hope his injuries are behind him just for basketball fans in general. But like the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're projecting upwards in a big way. I'm buying. I'm selling that. I don't know about soaring into the playoffs. I think they should be a playoff team. But they barely made it last year, and give them that credit. You got the Lakers and the Clippers probably going to be better. And you already have the top teams in the West that are there. So I don't know about soaring into the playoffs. I think they might limp into the playoffs. I'm selling. I didn't Bye. hear him say sell. Did you say sell? He said soar, soaring. Soar, yeah. Soaring into the playoffs? Soar into the playoffs, yes. Like did you say soar into the playoffs? I did say soar. All right. I know. I, I like the soar. I'm into the soar. They're trajecting up. Sorry, I messed the whole thing up. I'm off. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And finally, with all the talks of college football realignment with USC, UCLA moving to the Big Ten, 
and plenty of rumors about more Pac-12 schools and even ACC schools moving to conferences like the Big 12 or the SEC. There is one college that seems to stand put in all of this conference realignment. Buy or sell, Notre Dame will stay independent. I'm going to sell that as well. I think with this age of money, 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 greed, 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 Notre Dame can make more money if they do join a conference. And even though it's great calling your own shots as an independent, I think sooner or later they will be in a conference full time. I'm going to, what's the question again? Notre Dame will stay independent. I'm going to sell that. Um, I think that, you know, that's, that's your grandfather's way of doing business. Nowadays with television contracts, even though they have their own, you heard what Gary said. I agree with that. And look, they don't want the rest of their sports to be stuck in the ACC. I say it's only a matter of time before Notre Dame joins the Big Ten. I'm selling. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. That's today's buy or sell on ESPN Honolulu. Thank you, Tanner Hayworth. Great job. And let's stay on that. Uh, Notre Dame now. So what's the deal with Notre Dame? What well, is the, what, the, you know, Do will they stay independent? I mean, that's kind of their thing and what they do, but I don't think I, I don't think they can afford to anymore. Plus, all of their other sports in the ACC. And when the pandemic hit, didn't their football team join the join the ACC so they could have some conference play? It was before COVID, I believe. They joined in every other sport, and they're required. No, 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 no. Their football team. Oh, the football their team. Football team. Yeah. The, what I just said, thirty seconds ago. Didn't their football team join the ACC during the pandemic? Just for that one year, and they had to play right. however many games. Uh, you know, I, I would not have thought they would join a conference, but it looks like, again, with the money out there, and just reading up from one of the uh, Notre Dame newspapers and beat writers, they seem to think there's a good chance that they will join eventually. According to the article, the SEC might try to make some provisions for them making the playoffs in the next contract, so they're not they're not as likely to join the Big Ten, meaning as an independent, they'll have a decent chance of making the playoffs, which might matter more to them than being in a conference with that TV money. I think that's an important ah. factor there. CC doesn't want them in the Big Ten. The SEC wants to be the most powerful conference. The Big right. Ten wants to be the most powerful. So they might do different things to make sure Notre Dame does go in for the Big Ten people and the SEC trying to keep them out. Our, uh, if you want to text into the show, 808-296-1420. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open for you. Please don't text while you're driving. Um, it just seems like a natural fit that they would go to the uh, – that Notre Dame would go to the Big Ten just because of where they're located. I mean, they could be out there playing Rutgers and Maryland and you – know, you know what I mean? In uh, all of the sports. But – can you see something like the Pac-12 or maybe the ACC? Seeing the ACC and the Big 12 just merging? I would actually think the Big 12 and the Pac-12 may be merging because they both have lost teams. The ACC is still fairly strong. But let's say if Clemson does make a move, and I know that sounds ridiculous now, but people are suggesting it, and we know that nothing ever should surprise us. If Clemson were to leave the ACC, I could see maybe them merging somehow. But the Big 12 and Pac-12 make more sense because, again, they both have lost schools in the last couple of years. Right. And didn't Colorado come from the Big 12? Yes, yes, yes. But the, the when you look at the um, 
I mean, if you look at total domination, I mean, it really kind of leaves the ACC out. So Clemson and Florida State, it would make sense for them geographically to go to the SEC, wouldn't it? It would, uh, but again, if you want it, let's say if you're Clemson, you know you've got a very, very good chance of going to the college football playoffs being in the ACC. You're going to be the best team pretty much every year, but last year. If you go to the mm. SEC, you're going to be like Texas and Oklahoma and be middle. I don't want to say middle of the pack. It's going to make that a lot more tougher unless they really right. expand it to 12 teams. But since we're only talking about television contracts, that's what college football is about. It doesn't matter how many championships or anything else, I think. It's how much money do we get? So if if you're going to, you know, nobody's signing a, rec- no one's going to sign a record-breaking deal for the ACC Network or ACC Football. It's going to be a record-breaking deal for the new Big Ten and the um, the Big Ten and the SEC. That's what it's going to be. I would think you have to weigh that. Let's say if you're a Notre Dame or a Clemson, as an example, you weigh the TV money in those contracts versus having a chance of making that playoff, what that means. And the TV money is going to go up. We know in two years, three years, the TV money is going to go up with all those teams joining and just with kind of inflation anyway. Right. But they, 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 um, it doesn't really go up with inflation. Uh, It goes up with demand. But with the, um, with the, uh, college football playoff remember it might expand to eight teams right yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's not going to be a i don't think it's going to be a four-team deal and when it it's going to expand do you know why money more money they'll make more money they'll make more money if it's an eight-team playoff or 12 team or whatever so if that's the case you you're better off joining the sec and getting into the playoff that way but if the, I agree more money, you would think that would be the underlying factor. But there's been more money available all these years if they would have expanded, and they haven't. And before this contract was put into place. So I just still wonder that when this deal is up in two years, if they will expand, even though it sounds like they're getting closer and closer every time. But, again, you look at Clemson. If they go to the SEC, you'll get more TV money. I don't know how much more the SEC is than the ACC. I'm sure it's significant. Is it more, oh, than, yeah. 10, is it more than 10, 20 million a year? I, I don't know. I would yeah. think that. Do you know why? Do you know why? Why? Alabama? Because it's, it's about football. And the SEC is dominant in football. And it, the, 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 those households in the South treat, you know, college football, that's their religion, right? It's yeah. not a religion in other places. It's not a religion in California. It's not a religion in Colorado. It's not a re- certainly not a religion in New York. No, they don't have a team. But, but in the ACC, <laughs> yeah, like in Rutgers. Florida. Oh, no, Rutgers Florida, in New Jersey, right? They're in New Jersey, and that's kind of South Jersey. I was talking Hofstra football. Come on. <laughs> All right, Chris, I like that reference there. But wouldn't you uh, think that Clemson or Florida State and Miami, some of those ACC schools, it might not be as in-depth as the SEC, but it's got to be close enough where it's obviously that important, that big of a deal with the fans, alumni, and all the money involved, right? Well, you know what it is. If, if they were going to stay in the ACC, then what they'd do is do what Texas did or whoever did. I can't remember if they actually did it or not. It's like, uh, okay, we get a bigger share. Does, does Boise State get a bigger share of the revenue for the Mountain West Conference? Yeah, they do that. Hey, you know what? We're, unless you give us, you know, two shares to your one, we're leaving. So that's what Clemson could do. Or Notre Dame could yeah. join them and say, well, we want this is what it's going to take for us to join your, your little conference. 
That's interesting, and I think it makes sense. I mean, like, if, let's say Clemson says that to the SEC. Uh, well, actually, they would have to say it to the they would have to say it to the ACC to say because the SEC, I don't know if they'd be as willing to give more money. We already have Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Texas A and M, and a lot of powers, and now we got Texas and Oklahoma. We're not going to give you more. We're already that great. I don't know if they would want to do that, but maybe the ACC might be forced to keep them to give them a little bit more. For Notre Dame in the Big Ten, even though it makes sense and what a powerful school that would add, I don't know if the Big Ten needs them as much as Notre Dame might need the Big Ten. Does Notre Dame's national audience, is is it just as big today as it was 30 years ago? I, I don't know for sure. I know it's, 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 good, it's good enough that they like being independent because of their TV contract and just, right. you know, being the focal point like that. I don't know if it's as big as it was 30 years ago, though. I'm not sure. Right. I'm just I'm just because interest with younger people in college football as it goes down, I'm guessing that your Notre Dame fans are not what they used to be just because that's how it's been nationally for college football, period. Not except in the South. Right. Everyone else is, you know, people aren't closing down, you know, towns because the game's on that Saturday. Right. Yeah, they've been in two playoffs, Manti, and a couple of years ago they were in the playoffs, uh, never a one. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, for example, Nebraska, I I was there in the late 90s, and the town would close down on game day, literally close down. Even though they still sell out, I have a feeling it's not quite the same where the town closes down. It could be, but they haven't won in so long. They haven't been the same dominant team. So I can't imagine it's it's exactly the same as 25 years ago. Can you imagine that? Sidebar, can you imagine that? Being, you know, your 100,000 people or whatever it is in your stadium at Nebraska, the entire town is shut down. Everyone's wearing red. It's like you're the, the, the only games that a lot of people can go to are away games because your home games have been sold out for, you know, years and years and years. That kind of support, that kind of following, that kind of passion in that town. And all of a sudden, it seems like overnight, it's just a, a shadow of a program that it used to be. It'll never come back. Well, I don't know if it'll never, but you're right about everything else How for sure. How long has it been? On a um, consistent basis. Years. Yeah. Uh-huh. On a consistent basis to do what they did in the 70s and 80s. Well, even the you 90s. Know, they won championship. They won two championships in the 90s. Okay, so you're 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 in in the 90s, I believe you put out a couple of Heisman Trophy winners because, you know, the best team's quarterback always wins the Heisman Trophy. It started back then. And that's what you and it, I don't I think there's too many other options. There's too many people that are going down south to play. I think it's also losing Tom Osborne, even though he was getting old. That was the reason he came back as an AD. That they, they were never the same with whoever the coach was after that. Frank Solich was an assistant, came there, and it was they won nine games and they fired him. It just yeah. wasn't the same, and they they haven't and now been the they, same. They'd kill to win nine games now. Careful, yeah. careful what oh, you yeah. for, right? Imagine going to a Eight. bowl game in Lincoln. That hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah. 18 minutes after the hour, it's the Sports Animals in the Morning on the Bobby Curran Show. Weather-wise today, uh, got some passing showers, uh, high about 87, but the trades are blowing at 15 to 25, keeping everything nice and cool. Coming up, Tiger Woods is back, and we'll check your traffic next on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by Dr. Charles Arakaki at Ohana Men's Clinic. Visit drcharlesarakaki.com.
Before we go into the uh, uh, Tiger Woods, uh, you just saw some uh, some news, Gary. Yeah, Dennis Dodd, who's been on our show before from CBS Sports, he just came out with this article saying that the Big 12 is in deep discussions to add up to six Pac-12 teams after USC and UCLA went to the Big 10. And we've heard those rumors, but the fact that he's talking, he's talking about schools specifically like Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, and then there was also consideration of Oregon and Washington. Now, one thing I read over the weekend, which does make sense, if you're looking at these schools in the Pac-12, uh, the, the, the state of Oregon, as an example, and the state of Washington as well, they don't want to lose the partner school. They don't want to have Oregon and Oregon State in different conferences. They don't want to have Washington and Washington Who State. Who doesn't? The, the state itself, the, the governor or the people that decide these things, they don't want to separate those schools. That doesn't mean they can totally stop it, but I That's understand that. That's what the governors that. have come out and said? Yes, it was reported over the weekend, yeah, and that makes sense. That the governor of Oregon, the governor of Arizona. It was just saying the state, I don't know if it mentioned the governor specifically, but saying the state does not want to lose those schools. They will not allow them to be separated. I don't know how much say they would have in exactly doing that, but I can understand them not wanting to lose that, that rivalry, the tradition, and their partner school in every sport, especially football. It doesn't mean it won't happen, but I think that's something to consider at least there. Uh, again, the four schools, both Arizona schools, Colorado, Utah, but Oregon and Washington. We heard the rumor last week that Oregon and Washington were considering. That's where it started from the uh, articles I read where they were saying they, they were considering leaving as well. But it wasn't the Pac-12 as much as the states. They didn't want to have those schools bolt from their, their in-state rival. Again, I don't know how that would play out. But that is something to consider. But the Big 12, I mean, you can understand the Big 12 as an example. You're not going to stand pat if you have an option, if you have any choices. So you're going to try to reload and make up for these schools that are leaving. Now, you're getting the mm -hmm. Cincinnati, the Houston, the BYUs coming in. But you're losing Texas and Oklahoma. If you could get a couple of Pac-12 schools, two, four, or six, I mean, 18 schools is what it says in this article. Um, they're going to meet. They're going to start immediate negotiations. Uh, the Pac-12 okay. released that statement for their next TV okay. contract. Okay, so if this, the governors of these states want their schools in the same conference, why isn't Utah State in the Pac-12? Why isn't Colorado State in the Pac-12? But they're not Power 5 schools. You, I'm talking about the Power 5 schools that you have, like the Washington, Washington State. You're not going to look at Eastern Washington going with Washington. It's just the two Power 5 schools. Same with mm. uh, Washington and Oregon. Those schools. There's other schools in Oregon, but it's not those schools. It's just the Power 5 schools that you're looking okay. at. Okay, so the Big 12 said, okay, you guys go start negotiating now with these schools. Meanwhile, um, and this is reported uh, about an hour ago, meanwhile, the board of directors for the Pac-12 has said that uh, they've given the Pac-12 conference permission to immediately start negotiating a television contract. Right, and that's what it says in Dennis Dodd's article as well. But and, and so what they're basically saying is, uh-oh, before people pick us apart, start working on that contract while we still have a conference. That's what they're doing. Which I think makes they're sense. panicking. Makes sense. They're panicking big time. But we, we haven't heard I told as you. much. Let's go back to Friday. This is what's going to happen. Mark my words. The WAC became the Mountain West, and the Mountain West will become the Pac-12. That's what's going to happen. What's Mark gonna my words. What's going to happen? to the 725, team? July 5th, 2022, <laughs> on National uh, Bikini Day, Chris Hart said, <laughs> the Mountain West will become the Pac-12. So everyone that wanted to be in the Pac-12, 
Congratulations. Here we are. Are you saying with any Pac-12 current schools or? Uh, um, I don't know. Somebody might let get left behind. Don't know that yet. Well, we can't mark it down until we have the full, you know. No, I don't strap. know. The full, you know. <laughs> Use your words. Use your words, big boy. The full setting, the full layout of how the conference will look. <laughs> there, there you go. I know people are saying that. I, I, Again, nothing would ever surprise me. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, we know they're not done. These conferences are going to be making moves, and it could go from the SEC to the Pac-12. Every Power 5 conference will probably at least look to expand and do something, expand, merge, or do something instead of just staying the way they are. Okay, can you kick somebody out of your conference? Has that ever been done before? I can't remember. I mean, I guess if you kick, you, you, like even in the old days when the WAC split apart, they didn't kick anybody out. They just started their own, you know, the, the Mountain West on their own. They didn't I kick understand. anyone out. They just said, hey, you know what? Let's go make our own without Hawaii and some of these other guys. I have never heard of that, and I wonder on what ground you'd be able to do it. Like, I mean, there's got to be contracts and all that put into play. I mean, schools leave all the time, and they pay. So can you kick somebody out? I mean, wow, that's, I've never heard of that. How, I'm just I'm just looking at the big the, the Big Ten for example. Yeah. Um, the Big Ten I don't know it's you know Illinois is worthless. It's a market. Is it the Chicago market? It's close enough to Chicago that I guess you. Are, that no, are you sure about that? Are people in Chicago tuning in to Illinois football? Before you just figure they must be, find out for a fact because if they're not, Illinois is worthless. Indiana worthless i'm saying if you're trying to build this power conference you've got maryland meh um really when you're talking about the big 10 it's michigan it's michigan state it might be northwestern it's ohio state penn state purdue wisconsin they've got a lot of fluff that they can get rid of maybe those guys they should run off and start their own big 10 with your clemson's and notre dame's and uh, bring along Baylor and the Oklahoma schools. Oh, no, you can't bring Oklahoma. They're going to the SEC. But wait a minute. How can Oklahoma go to the SEC but not bring Oklahoma State if the state wants their schools to stay together? Well, those school, those states have indicated that. I guess Oklahoma, I don't know. I'm sure they, they're not happy about it either. But I, somehow I guess it was allowed. Different states, uh, you know who different the odd, people. The, kind of the odd man out is Baylor. I mean, they're great in football. They're great in um, uh, men's basketball. I mean, those are the two, you know, the, the two big ones right there. Baylor has got to be one of the first schools to join the new Big Ten, wouldn't you think? Well, maybe that, but what it also has been suggested that the Pac-12 might have their eyes on Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State. It might have been Oklahoma State. If you would think, I mean, I know geography doesn't mean anything anymore. It used to. It doesn't right. really anymore. If you would bring those schools over football-wise, uh, I would say right now, I don't know if it's even debatable, Baylor is better than USC and UCLA. I don't know if that would be forever, but I don't think they're going to go away either. So football-wise, you're, you're adding a little bit, to say the least, of what you lost with the two power, uh, the two L.A. schools leaving. Again, I don't know if that's ever been talked about specifically, but people have been mentioning, and it makes some sense if the Pac-12 wants to main, remain relevant, if you've got schools like that. If you're going to get Mountain West schooled, are you relevant? No. You're taking a big step backwards. If you're taking Baylor and a Texas Tech and a Kansas State, I mean, for basketball, it helps 
put social school, but I know football is obviously right. the, the one that matters the most. You know what you could do if you were if you if the Pac-12 was smart, it's basically you would take the best of the Pac-12. You guys would meet in an airport somewhere with the Big 12s, the best the Big 12 has to offer. You guys start your own conference and start building from there. You can't kick out Utah or TCU from their respective conferences, but you can go off and start your own without them. I wonder if there's a transition phase if you're starting a new conference and would these schools want to deal with that? Um, a transition the, phase? Like when you like for like UC San Diego when they joined the the Big West, they can't, they're not eligible for the playoffs for four, not eligible for postseason for four years. Old Dominion became a Division One football team on the FBS level. They weren't right. eligible for postseason right away. Okay. So I wonder. And that's an NCAA rule or is that a conference rule? Oh, it's not a conference rule. Um, you no, don't I'm, know, I'm, do I'm you? Not, so what you're what I'm getting at is even and if you're that powerful, you can tell the NCAA nowadays you can say no, sue us, let's take it to court. You know what I mean? Because the NCAA is not going to win. I've suggested that in the past, and when people have told me, whoever we're talking with, say when you sign up to be an NCAA institution, you agree to abide by their policies and rules, where you can't really take them to court. Yeah, you yeah, you you can, <laughs> because they've lost in court before. But how many times like has the this. NCAA? How many times the NCAA lost in court? They're not very good at it. So people take them to court. But I'm saying if you, you, you agree, you, to... you agree to it. But then you can always say, "This is America." You can say, "You know what? I've changed my mind, and this is what I wanted. This is how I'm going to do it." If the SEC gets big and strong enough, they're going to break away from the NCAA. Why do you think NCAA, uh, SEC schools never get harsh penalties? It's the smaller schools who can't fight back. It's your University of Hawaii losing its men's national championship, right? Yeah. If yeah. this if this was football and that was the end, the SEC, you might get a slap on the wrist. You're not they're not taking your football championship away, because the SEC will say, you know what, bye bye. And what's the NCAA without the SEC? What's it's the SEC nothing. without the NCAA? What, what, I what think does a championship I think it, mean? I think it's strong. I think it's strong enough. You already know the best football teams are in the SEC. Look who's playing for the championship in the playoffs every year. But who are you going to play they, for the if championship? If they could have more than two teams, they would. But if you're not going to be able to play a Clemson or an Ohio State, I mean, it's not the same. It's not the same to you, but who I think do? it's that I think I think that I think that other teams might join them, you know, or, or at least they could threaten it. What I'm getting at is the NCAA isn't the powerful entity that it used to be. Oh, somebody just texted in. Thank you for texting into the Zephyr Insurance text line. Um, this one says, New Mexico State got kicked out of a conference. Did they get kicked out or just everybody left them behind? Yeah, I'm not sure if they got kicked out or not. Might be right. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. All right, 808-296-1420. Zephyr Insurance text line is open. And uh, we'll go to some texts, and we got to get to Tiger Woods. A lot coming up with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. We'll check your surf. Weather-wise, we will have some more passing showers today. Uh, Trades 15 to 25, high about 87 here in the Magic City on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by Dr. Charles Arakaki at Ohana Men's Clinic. Visit drcharlesarakaki.com. Zephyr Insurance text line open at 
888-296-1420. We'll take a couple of texts here. Let's see. Uh, here's one. It says, uh, Jeff, thank you for texting in. It says, future of Max Holloway, dot, dot, dot. Well, we talked about it last hour. We're not sure because he hasn't said exactly, but the, the talk is that he's going to maybe go up to lightweight at 155. That's what we have heard, but he hasn't said anything definite. Dana White wasn't commenting last week. Uh, let's see. Uh, chemo texts in. The provisional years are for teams moving up a division, i.e. the FCS to FBS. This is to ensure that teams rising to a higher division will meet and sustain qualification. When we see a team form a new conference, that hasn't happened except for maybe the Mountain West. I'm not sure the last time we've seen it. The AAC, I guess, as well, uh, was, was not of that. It was not a very old conference. And I thought they might have had a way. It might be just in basketball, but I, I don't think you get the automatic Why spot. would it be just in basketball? That doesn't make sense. Because, because you, what you have in college basketball, what you had, let's say, before the Mountain West, you had, I think it was like, let's say, 30, 32 or 31 automatic bids. You had a 64-team field, and you had the X amount of at-larges. Now you have another automatic bid. You don't want to take away from the at-large, so you ended up expanding the tournament. But that didn't happen in year one. I think it took a couple of years for that to happen. Right, but they were full-fledged. Um, okay, for example, in the Big West Conference, San Diego was an FCS school, which became an FBS school, so they had to uh, do what the texters say. They're on, yeah. you know, they were on um, – uh, probation until they prove that hey okay you can hang right well, so that's not what happened no it wasn't to prove it it's just that you have to go through that transition it wasn't like you were auditioning to stay there well what it is is you have to what what he's saying is that um let me pull it up again to ensure that teams rise into a higher division will meet and sustain qualification so to prove that you can stay to uh, to stay qualified i guess that's what they're doing. You're showing them that you belong on the FBS level. That's what the that's what the text would mean. So what they're that's what they're doing in bath. But again, that's when you go from FCF to FBS. If all of a sudden New Mexico State, which is a Division One school, joined the Mountain West Conference, say it isn't so, but say they did that, they wouldn't go on probation. You're in the you're a Division One school and you're playing in Division One conference. If we, for some reason, reached out and said, hey, Marshall Thundering Herd, join our conference, they're not going to go on to probation. Okay, that's not what I was saying. First of all, with the basketball teams, it's not so they can prove that they belong, that they can build up a Division One roster, so to speak, over two, three, or four years. They're not, okay, they're not so they can sustain, so they can, so they can uh, sustain qualifications, meet and sustain qualifications meaning they can hang, right? You can go out and get the players. Okay, now, but it doesn't make sense to me either. Why would they have to, why would you have to be on probation to build your roster? Just build your roster. I, I agree with that. As far as okay, the, other, the other part of the topic, I was talking about forming a new conference, not from like a Marshall joining another uh, FBS conference. Uh, you, you were talking about forming a new conference with those remaining Pac-12 schools or some of the other leftovers. And right. I was just saying, if you get a new conference, 
then, I mean, if, it, if it's like the leftover from the Power Five, I don't think they would do anything. But, again, for, for basketball, I know that you, you have X amount of spots. And if you're creating another spot, that's how they keep expanding the tournament. Well, they expanded it once because of the Mountain West. That was one reason they expanded from 64 to 65. You remember, it went up one back in 2000 or whatever year it was exactly back then, and now it's at 68. But still, I think if you, if you have a new conference, football might be different because you, right now you only have four spots. And it's not based on how many conferences there are. It's just based on the four best teams. In basketball, though, well, let's say they expand in football, as we keep hearing. It would be an automatic for the Power Five conference champion, as we hear, the most likely scenario. So if you have another Power Five conference, how would that affect it? I'm not sure if they would be eligible right away. That's my point. All right. Thank you guys for texting in to the Zephyr Insurance text line, 808-296-1420. We'll have another traffic update coming up in about five minutes from now. You know, by the way, some of the best some of the best names, nicknames, mascots in college football. You know, if you gave an award, my award goes to the Sun Belt Conference. The Sun Belt Conference is where you'll find the Red Wolves of Arkansas State. The Dukes of James Madison. You'll find the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, the Marshall Thundering Herd. For you Damian guys, the Old Dominion Monarchs, the Texas State Bobcats, Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, and of course, number one with a bullet, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. That one I like. The others are eh. They're just basic. You don't like the Warhawks, huh? No, Nothing says trouble like the Warhawks are coming to town. <laughs> All right. it's uh, you, We will have a traffic update coming up momentarily here on ESPN Honolulu. Tiger Woods is back, kind of. He played uh, with um, in the uh, J.P. McManus Pro-Am in, it's in Limerick, Ireland. And it's some kind of team competition. I don't get how it works. But all I know is it raised a heck of a lot of money for charity. And I guess they're playing today again. What day is today? Oh, no, it was done already. Play concludes on Tuesday. Play concludes on Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. <laughs> today's Tuesday. So today's the last day. It's a two-deal, 36-hole uh, deal. And it's cool because the uh, the golfers, you get to kind of watch, and they're just getting out there warming up, having fun. You know, they're not agonizing over shots if they hit it into a bunker or whatever. I mean, Xander Schauffele leads, and I don't know if there's any money involved here. Tiger Woods shot five over, but it was a chance for the world to see Tiger Woods play. I think this is only the third time he's played this year since coming back from the uh, horrific car crash. And uh, he was five over, but, I mean, he did, he did, you know, it was up and down. I mean, he had, I didn't see his scorecard. I know that he did have an eagle on one hole and that's the tiger woods that we're hoping returns the guy's not 100 percent, and he never will be i didn't realize this until this morning um that he said that he didn't play in the u.s open because if he played in the u.s open he would have probably messed up his leg for the u.s uh, the the open right the british open what people used to call it the um so he has a much better chance of winning the open and it's being played at St. Andrews. It's the 150th anniversary. 
it's a flat course, which is easier to walk. So that's why I didn't realize that's why he didn't want to enter the uh, the U.S. Open. But it was good to see him play, but he still does not look very comfortable walking around. I don't know if you caught any of that. No, I just read about it. I didn't see anything. I'm hoping he can perform well at the Open. It would be nothing like seeing Tiger Woods competing on the last day of a major again, and hopefully we, we're going to see that at some point, whether it's this month or later on, but I hope we see it again. If you see what? If we see Tiger Woods competing for a, on the final round of a major. In other words, on a Sunday, making the cut, obviously, and competing mm-hmm. for a championship on Sunday. I think Tiger should play in, like, the John Deere, play some of these just to get another win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, nothing's guaranteed. JP, JT Poston looked pretty good on the PG, uh, PGA side of all of that. But um, it is nice seeing Tiger. It looked like he was, you know, kind of enjoying himself. But I guess they, there's still so much rehab going on. It's like I'm sure that his surgeons and doctors aren't really happy with this because he's going out and, and, and playing, and then he comes back and his leg is all bust up again. And then they start working on rehab and getting him back so he can get back out there. I mean, he came out with a statement today where he's talking about, you know what, I don't know how much longer, because he doesn't know how much longer at 46 he's going to play competitive golf. Lately he hasn't been very competitive at all. But, um, you know, I mean, we're cheering the fact that he made the cut, you know. that's And that's not competitive golf to me. Tiger in his mind goes, you know what, I'm not that far away. I can do this. There's going to be a certain time where I can't do this. Yeah. And he said, and I'll be doing on, whether it's on with with my leg, someone else's leg, a fake leg, I'll still be able to play golf. I'll always be able to play golf. That was his quote. It was like a fake leg, whatever. If he happens to lose his leg, he's going to still play golf. But it won't be on a competitive level. <laughs> so that's what he's doing now is, is saying, hey, you know what, I still think I can compete. I mean, at a certain point, and I think soon, He's going to realize, you know what, I'm not there. But hopefully we still see him at these championships because win or lose, Tiger Woods is the most popular golfer in the history of the sport. Tiger Woods changed the sport. He changed the way they develop golf courses. He changed the way that golf fans look. He changed the way golf fans cheer, if you will. He changed so much about this sport that he'll always be, you know, if he's 80 years old, it's going to be like Arnold, the late Arnold Palmer. You know, you don't care where you're watching the skin games on ABC Wide World of Sports. It doesn't matter. You're watching the King. Same thing with Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas as well. I mean, it'll people will always love to see him. Well, if he can't compete on that level anymore, maybe he should go to the Live Tour. <laughs> Talk about that coming up next. You know what? <laughs> and I'm just joking. I, I my, my opinion of the live tour has changed overnight. We'll discuss after we check your traffic here on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Bobby Curran show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. Whoa, la, la. 10 minutes in front of eight o'clock with Chris Hart. And Gary Dickman. We're the sports animals on the Bobby Curran show here on ESPN Honolulu. But yeah, good to see uh good to see Tiger Woods and good to see him in a couple of weeks. Oh, not even a couple of weeks. What about ten days, nine days uh for the open. Scottish Open is coming up too. But um 
the the live tour hit american soil for the first time in their second tournament at pumpkin ridge golf club and there's a lot of controversy against the live tour they're not like a lot of people protesting the live tour 911 surviving families were out there saying just admit it that you went for the money that you're going for the money that's all we want to hear and it's like really that's why you're protesting and you're going to follow these guys around the world to protest the problem is if you watch any of the tele not telecast and you watch any of the stream on youtube tv nobody really cared if you're talking about the audience and they've talked to interviewed people who were there to watch the 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 golf tournament they were like hey you know what this is my last chance to see phil milkison that's why i'm here this might be my last chance i ever get a lot of people following phil around the live tour i think is going to make a dent i told you that after watching rory win a few weeks ago and i don't remember what tournament it was and the sea of humanity around him and everything and it was i think it was the week after the live tours inaugural event in london said oh the pga is strong they've still got um you know there's there's still got golfers like uh, scotty scheffler and justin thomas and rory mcelroy and tiger woods and jordan spieth and you know the list goes on and on colin morikawa they've got great golfers all the young up-and-coming golfers in the world play on the pga tour but some of the most interesting golfers play on the live tour brooks kepka bryson dechambeau or as they say uh on the other side of the pond bryson dechambeau <laughs> you've got uh phil mickelson right these are all guys that are very interesting the, the they're more the, the, the more interesting golfers probably if you took out uh, if you made a list of the top 10 most interesting golfers guys who really move the needle four of them already play for the live tour and with their format this is why and am, am i a bad person and I, maybe I've, I've i i should feel guilty that i enjoyed the broadcast because the players are taking blood money right this is a as brandel chambly uh would say this is a uh th- this is sports washing so they have they're, what they're trying to do is what sports watching means is they do this with um, some of these countries who have terrible human rights records. They'll try and make that you forget about all of that by starting your own golf tour and going, look what a great country we are. Or they get involved in Hollywood and they do it that way. They get involved with actors or athletes and they call it, well, in this case, sports watching. So I get. I guess that's what they're doing. I, I understand. But if I'm a consumer of golf, I'm watching YouTube TV, and I'm going, this is great. The, you you got to get past this, the, the scoreboard kind of on the side of the screen. But since it's a shotgun start, meaning everybody starts at a different hole at the same time, since it's a shotgun start, they can focus their tournament on the the most important groups and that's what they did we got to watch all of brooks kepka and bryson dechambeau 
and, you know, Phil Mickelson, all of these guys. Once in a while, they'd show a Chase Kepka or somebody else, but Ian Poulter and, and you know, it, it was a star-studded event because you didn't really see the no-name guys for the Live Tour playing in their telecast. And that was, that was what made it, I, I came away blown away going, man, I had to, you know, I was, uh, I, I, I turned on later on to a rebroadcast of the PGA Tour of the, you know, of JT Poston, and that was okay, that was fine, but man, the Live Tour, the presentation they put on, if they keep building, they bring you inside the ropes, the caddies are mic'd up, the, the, the camera angles are great. The way they treat the, the golfers, and if you go on YouTube and watch any of the um, uh, press conferences, you don't see this in the NBA. Golfers, uh, NBA, in the PGA. Golfers sitting together, smiling, laughing, having a good time. It's like, Patrick Reed, who are you? You've got teeth. I can actually see his teeth. It was pretty incredible, this transformation of attitude. Uh, watching the there's. To me, it looks like there's a lot of positives, and you kind of have to remind yourself, I guess, it's sports washing, so it makes you feel guilty at the same time. I'm curious what made you change your stance, so to speak. Was it the television broadcast or the streaming on how they presented it? Because you you also said they have interesting golfers, but that wasn't really what you were saying a week or two ago. Right. What I was saying a week or two ago is the best golfers in the world are still on the PGA Tour. That's unarguable. But the most interesting golfers, half of them, are on the live tour. The uh, Bryson DeChambeau, he's been injured lately. He hasn't been on the top of his game. They've got, you know, I'm not going to tune in anywhere, even though he's won a couple of majors, to watch Charles Schwartzel. But they do have, they do have Brooks Kepka. They've got Bryson DeChambeau. They've got Phil Mickelson. I enjoy Ian Poulter, but just because he's a fun guy. So you're one of the guys who didn't really watch the John Deere, but watch more of the Live. And I think, and I don't know for sure, but early on, no, I watched, I watched, I watched both equal amount. John Deere okay. was a rebroadcast, yeah. I just wonder how many people are going to get maybe captivated by the bigger names. Uh, again, it's not super big, but we saw another golfer, number 26 in the world, Paul Casey, join the Live Tour and the presentation. I wonder if they'll swing more people and if it'll hurt the PGA ratings. All right, we'll pick that up next on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Lots of lots coming back here on ESPN Honolulu going on today. Max Holloway unfortunately gets beat and gets beat up. Got beat up in UFC 276. The question remains: What's next for Max Holloway? Uh, we hear lightweight is next for him, but he hasn't said it directly. But he also yeah. has indicated he's not done yet either. Yeah, I don't know that we hear that he's going to lightweight. That's what fans are kind of saying is maybe he should go to lightweight. He's never come out and said it. Yeah, media or fans say maybe he should. But then again, that's where Alexander Volkanovsky is going. If you want a championship, 
not going to happen at that next level. Uh, let's see. Uh, NBA free agency is still going on. Zion Williamson signs over the weekend a rookie max deal. Kevin Durant is still looking for a home. Whether they release him and trade him, that's another thing. Well, they're not going to release him. They're going to trade him eventually. But I also think now, from opposite of what we heard last week, they're not going to have a, a sense of urgency. They don't have to do it right away to appease him. They could wait a month or two, and who knows, maybe he'll start the season with Brooklyn. I doubt that, but it's not going to necessarily happen this week. And locally, a former UH pitcher, Cade Halemanu, is uh, he wants he's he's leaving the uh, Rainbow Warriors? He wants to be drafted in the Major League Baseball draft. If that doesn't happen for him, he has entered the transfer portal as a graduate as a graduate assistant as a uh, graduate transfer to Oregon. Yeah, a little surprising, I guess. And he's got a great situation, I guess. If he doesn't get drafted high enough, he's got a scholarship. Uh, I guess it would be a scholarship at a Power Five conference. I wonder what round he's looking at as far as drawing the line and whether he goes or not. Yeah. All right. And we've been discussing the uh, debut of the Live Tour on United States soil. And I'm not sure. I don't. I don't read. I don't know. I don't know if you read any reviews of it or something like that. I don't know if that's even out there. But in my mind, just as a golf fan, I thought it was a rousing success. I thought the television broadcast was a lot better than their first one. Although only watched for a few minutes on the first one. But I thought the Live Tour did great. I mean, they let you really inside the ropes. And to me, some might say it's kind of gimmicky by playing a shotgun start, 36 holes. But you know what? One of the problems with the PGA Tour, the way it's set up is, it might be uh, nice, great conditions in the morning, gets really windy afternoon. So the players who play in the morning are going to have advantage of players playing in the afternoon. Now, the next day you're going to swap, and hopefully that evens things out. But what if there's a rain delay and things get moved? I mean, it's just with a shotgun start, everybody plays the same weather. They play the same course. They play the same time. The broadcast is tight, bright, and concise. And it's a it's much more entertaining product, I think, that fits today's sports viewer. That's what the Live Tour is doing. They're doing two things. They're, they're catering to the audience, and I know they're sports watching. I get it. They're catering to the audience better than the PGA Tour has. The PGA Tour reminds me of Major League Baseball. They're in reactionary mode, just like Major League Baseball. Maybe we'll have robot umpires to get this right, right? <laughs> Baseball is continuously in reaction mode. The PGA Tour now is in reaction mode. Oh, they're giving more money? Okay, we'll give more money. You see, sidebar, the argument for the PGA is we're here to give money to charity. That's kind of what their model is because it's a nonprofit organization, believe it or not. But I think the NFL is. I think all of these pro sports leagues are. Um, So their whole deal is look how much money we give to charity. Now, the Live Tour, in order to compete with the Live Tour, we've got to give out more money, which means there's less money for charity. That's where the PGA Tour is coming from. But anyway, back to – that was my sidebar. Back to the uh, the Live Tour. They're, they're catering right to the fans. They're making the broadcast appeal to the modern sports viewer. They're also taking care of the golfers better than anybody else. One of the recent golfers who went on the tour, and I don't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Pat Perez or somebody. 
But in the press conference, it was or it was Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed uh, joined uh, for his first time, I believe, this uh, out at Pumpkin Ridge. It was other golfers from the Live Tour calling him, going, "Dude, get over here! Everything's awesome. It's not just the money. Those guys are being treated like royalty. Even the worst of worst golfers, the worst of the worst, last place guy." He gets a hundred. He walks away with one hundred twenty thousand dollars, and that's what the PGA Tour is up against now. They really are. These guys. I don't know if it's Greg Norman or who, uh, marketing people, whatever it is. But the, um, you know, I, I, I think they get it. They get the audience and they get the players. And I think that's why, as long as the Saudis want to have a golf league, they're going to have one. It's interesting when you talk about, like, the gimmick, so to speak, or how it's fan-friendly with the broadcast and how they take care of the golfers. It seems not, like... Why, not a gimmick, but it's not a gimmick. Okay, okay. That's what I'm saying. But, okay. But it seems like any new league, whether it's the XFL, USFL, back in the day, the ABA, they want to do something a little different to maybe attract fans because you can't compete with the NFL if you're a new football league. you got to do things different. So that way mm-hmm. it sounds smart, and it look, look at you. You, you watch more of it this week, past weekend, and you're saying how much you enjoyed it. Do you think that the PGA would be reluctant? Now, they're giving more money out, but as far as having everybody start at the same time, sounds like it's a really smart move. Do you think the PGA would be reluctant to take anything like that on because then it would be admitting that league, the Live Tour, does it better than us, and we're following them? I don't. I, the field is too big. You can't have a shotgun start in the PGA Tour. So the, the, the field, there's too many golfers out on the course. That's why you have some start in the morning, some start in the afternoon. But the, okay. the point is that there's no gimmick here. In the XFL, that was a gimmick. Instead of a kickoff, we're going to have, you know, a rough take for the football. We're going to throw the football down the field, and someone's going to run and get it. That's a gimmick. Having a shotgun start isn't a gimmick. Having, uh, play, pay, having pl- players earn money for being in the contest is not a gimmick. Golf is the only sport in the world, the only professional sport in the world, where you have people that don't get paid. If I'm in, if I'm if I sign up, it's not it's not wow. funny. I mean, look at I'm all I'm all I'm all fired up, but it's wow. not a joke. It's not it's it. But it is. I'm in a boxing match. I'm going to go in for thirty seconds with Mike. Thirty seconds with Mike Tyson. Well, you know what? I was only lasted thirty seconds, but I still got half a million dollars. Everybody gets paid. Golf is the only one that isn't. As a professional when you sport. say it that way. You know, you said something earlier, and maybe this is obvious, but I'm just going to ask you. For the Saudis behind the Lid Tour, what is their main goal or, or objective? Is it to have people ease up on their ill on the ill will, or is it something else? I never thought of that part. Why are it's, they doing this? Not to I'm make guessing, money. I'm guessing according to the Golf Channel's Brandel Chambly, it's just sports watching. Hey, you know what? Forget about how bad we are. Forget that we've murdered people because we got this great product. Look. Look what we're bringing the world. We're helping the game of golf. So my question is, does it help the game of golf? All of the, I mean, Certainly people are talking more about the game of golf, professional golf, than ever before. Unless, you know, Tiger Woods. Not all Woods positively. Talk, well, I don't know. They're, they're talking about it, right? So there's advantage. Look at, the, look at the atmosphere at Pumpkin Ridge. My gosh, you'd think it was a, a, a major never seen anything like that now there's a lot of some members of pumpkin ridge that canceled their memberships because of it Mm. there's a there's a minority of people who don't like the idea of these golfers 
and this tour started by the Saudis. The, you know, if you look at it, I don't, you know, they're getting on the golfers because the golfers are more famous than other things. The U.S. government spent a hundred, they sold a hundred billion dollars in weapons to the uh, to the uh, the Saudis. A hundred billion. We get tons of oil from the Saudis that we bring here. You could say that the United States, and I don't know if this is a political statement or not, I'm not smart enough, but you could say that the United States and Saudi Arabia are allies. They're in business together. They sure are. And we've brought up a hundred times the NBA doing business in China, you know, making an effort to get that business back that they've lost. I mean, the league was devastated when, was it um, uh, the the Houston Rockets? Daryl Morey made those comments. How could you do that? Look at all the money we're going to lose. Look at all the money we're going to lose from from China. That's horrible. Money, money, money. Nobody said a thing about it. They said, ah, that's business. Well, we need need oil from them. They need arms to, to go out and do bad things. Well, that's business. Yet a golfer goes to play golf for a sports-washing league, and you're horrible. You're horrible. What about our families? Just admit that you went for the money. You know, they have come out. There was a press conference with Dustin Johnson and a couple of, uh, I I believe it was Abraham Anser and another guy, a couple of, you know, famous golfers, you know, well-known golfers, and then Dustin Johnson, who's a, a superstar golfer, Hall of Famer. And the question was, the hey, what does it feel like? They asked one of the, I think it was Abraham Anser from Mexico. I think it was him or, or Carlos Ortiz. Yeah, Carlos Ortiz. They asked him uh, yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, hey, what's it like um, having uh, life-changing money? And they both turned to Justin, Dustin Johnson and go, I don't know, Dustin, what's it like? <laughs> <laughs> so they got a lot of money, of course, for going. Yeah. But they, their their money wasn't like Dustin Johnson, and they all had a big laugh at it. Everyone knows. I, I don't know why we're sitting here waiting for someone to say. We're waiting for these golfers to admit, yeah, I came for the money. Of course they did. But they also came because of the schedule. If you or I worked at a job and somebody came up and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you five times the amount you uh, that you're earning now, and you're going to work a third. You're going to work two thirds less. So you work a third of the time, and I'm going to give you five times. Would you say, "Oh no, that's horrible! That's horrible! What about my?" You say, "Bye bye." I certainly wouldn't would say, say it like that. You would say, "Bye bye," faster than Dana Carvey on an '80s Saturday Night Live skit. Woo! Wow. You know, one thing you said a few minutes ago I want to bring up. When I, I asked a question about what their main objective is for the Saudis, and you mentioned maybe, you know, to create a better relationship with people, maybe people forgetting about the, the bad things that they've done. For me, at least, and I know it's still early, I don't think I'm going to change my mind. As I've said a few times, I separate the two. These golfers are in business like the Americans might be. It doesn't mean at all on any level that these golfers support or approve of these acts of terrorists, of terrorism. But 
I, I still realize that the people behind it are a lot of evil people there. I don't blame the golfers at all. Again, I separate it. To me, maybe a year or two from now, I would think the tour would be even more successful. I'm still not going to think, oh, these Saudis are actually good people, though. I'm not going to say, you know what, for what they've done to golf, I'm going to forget what they did. No, it's not going to be like that. I don't think I'll feel differently about it, but I'm still going to separate it. And I, you know, so if their objective is to have people maybe to forget the bad things, that's not going to happen. But I can still, again, have that separation and accept both. Yeah, I don't know. I watch and I feel guilty that I'm watching it and I'm feeling guilty. These people are telling me I should not enjoy this. I shouldn't be enjoying it. But you know what? Whoever they hired to present the broadcast and present the league and do what they, they the way that they approach this, genius. I mean, it should be in textbooks for marketing and everything else on what these guys are doing. They don't need the top 20 golfers in the world. You can watch a broad, you, all you need is some of the more interesting people on the tour. And that's exactly what they've got. And that's what they've got today. Paul Casey, by the way, came out and joined the tour. Now, the thing is, and this is golfers beware, and you touched on this last week. The thing is, they're going to play 48 golfers a, a, a tournament. So Paul Casey just joined. Um, I didn't know you mentioned he's the number 26 golfer in the world. I've just, I haven't seen his name forever. Anyway, Paul Casey from England. If you're, if you're wondering about Paul Casey, just think of Coach Rich Hill playing golf, and that's who he looks like. <laughs> okay. Paul Casey. Clear picture. Any. Yeah, he, he doesn't do much chihus on the golf course. <laughs> I wonder why. But to me, he looks like Rich Hill. Anyway, Paul Casey is, um, you know, so he's going to join. But some of these lower golfers, your Chase Kepkas and some of these other guys that are on the tour that you don't know much about, maybe they came from the DP tour or something like that. If they're like the 49th choice to play in a tournament, you don't play. Right. So here you are. You left the PGA tour to go over here. Oh, you... Hey, twice you got $120,000. Next tour, Paul Casey just edged you out. Sorry, boo. And now you can't go back to the PGA Tour. That's why I think inevitably what we're going to see is we're going to see a lawsuit. There's going to be a lawsuit sooner than you think. I would think now the question you ask yourself, though, is, self, can can, can you both leagues just get along? You know, so think about that. You have the the live tour – and then you have the PGA Tour, and there's a major, and it's the best of the Live Tour playing against the best of the best of the uh, the the PGA Tour. Maybe you have some kind of team event like the Presidents Cup. You would think that they would all get along, but the problem for the PGA is you can't work with them. If you work with them, <laughs> everybody's going to jump. Everybody's going to jump for the money because you're allowed to play in the. You, hey, I can still play in the majors. And I can make more money and spend time raising my family or getting this entrepreneurial project up. You know, you get you get your cake and eat it, too, on the live tour. Yeah. If it wasn't if it wasn't. If you work together, that would be the last thing that Jay Monahan wants to do. That's why there's going to be a lawsuit. This might not be the best analogy, but years ago, and I know you'll remember this for, as an example. 
TNT and ESPN both have the NBA. They would never mention the other network for a broadcast coming up. Then after a while, they realize, hey, cross-promotion is healthier for the everybody involved. It'll make the right. sport healthier. I wonder if the PGA and the Live Tour maybe would realize that if they did join and get along, maybe that would help each other in the long run. I don't think so. I think it's going to bury the PGA Tour. They can't afford to, they can't afford to work together. But the I don't think that um, TNT and ESPN were doing that for the good of the sport. What they were doing is and ESPN started doing that first. ESPN started they, they, for a long time. You, you'll see something. I'll tell you what networks it's on, even if it's not one of their own. Because ESPN is coming out and saying, hey, you want information? We're going to give it to you. We're not going to play funny games like, oh, it's not on our uh, family of networks. You'll have to call somebody else and find out where it is. That's that's the most frustrating thing to a sports fan. When they call our radio station and say, hey, what channel is the UH game on? We've been instructed to tell them what channel it's on. Not, I don't know, we're not a TV station, which they started doing at this radio station when I started 100 years ago. That was the that was the comment. Well, I don't know. We're we're a radio station. We don't know we're TV. Just say, it's on Fox. Enjoy the game. We hope you come and listen to it on the radio too. But here's your information you need, so people know the information. They know if I want information, I'm going to go to ESPN Honolulu. They're not going to play games with me. And we got that from ESPN, the mothership. We got a special guest. We're running really late. I want to let everyone know since we mentioned Rich Hill. Uh, hey, little leaguers, uh, if you're listening. And you're probably not, but parents of little leaguers, you are. Uh, the, the Hawaii Rainbow Warrior Youth Skills Camp is going strong. It's on going on now through August 4th. You pick one of eight four-day camps. There's probably like six left or four left, whatever it is. goes to August 4th. It's for boys and girls entering kindergarten and through entering eighth grade. To register and get more information, like what do you need to bring, go to hawaiiathletics.com and click on the camps button. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast. Hey, if you're looking to go surfing today, we'll have an update for you coming up in a few minutes here. We were efforting to get our pal Mike Wise on the line, but uh, second time in a row, Mike Wise is not answering his phone. He was ready now, yesterday. Uh, all right. Well, oh, he was ready yesterday. He called you yesterday? Yes, because you guys were ready all to right. call. I'm waiting. And he said, oh, yeah, it's tomorrow. Never mind. All right. Well, it would have been nice to talk to him, and uh, I guess uh, he's <laughs> one day. Maybe we'll save him for a podcast. Uh, I was, you know, I was talking about the live tour and I was, I was talking about the great, um, you know, all the great things they do and why the golfers, the way they're treated and everything. And the last place guy gets a hundred thousand dollar, all of that. Right. I had forgot to mention that if you win, you win life changing money. Yeah. So not, not, not everybody's getting a $50 million deal to go play, um, uh, Carlos Ortiz, who, uh, was from Mexico. He joined the tour. And, uh, you know, I doubt that they paid him a huge amount of money to go play, uh, to go join the tour. You know, kind of a role player, if you will, if this was basketball. But Brandon Grace, the guy who won in Pumpkin Ridge, uh, took home $4.375 million. <laughs> if you really want to spend time with your family, you could literally go, okay, give me, this, give, me the, give me the signing bonus. 
I'm going to go win two tournaments, and then uh, I'll never have to play again. I mean, these guys play golf because they enjoy it. I get it. But yeah. at the same time, if you uh, – like if Brandon Grace, who isn't one of the more famous names, if he gets edged out of the 48-man um, tournament coming up in the future, I mean, he shouldn't because he won a tournament. But if he does for some reason, well, he's got plenty of money to fall back on. The purses are great. I think it's again. I think it's going to be more enticing. And I know they're not going to get. You and I have talked a few weeks ago. They're not going to get top ten golfers. Would you say though, when you hear about Paul Casey at twenty six? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Say that again. For the live tour, you were saying, well, they're never going to get the top ten golfers. It's not going to be as good as the PGA Tour. And I acknowledge that. Do I you, think. I, I think. After watching this weekend, I'm not sure anymore. Do you? Is Paul Casey? Do you know? Is he the highest ranked at twenty six that they have? No, I thought that Dustin Johnson was 13th or something like that. I don't know. I I, I don't know. But it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's higher ranked. It matters who's more interesting. That's their their whole take. They'd love to have Colin Morikawa. They'd love to. You know what? They've got Taylor Gooch. They'd love to have somebody like Sam Burns. But Sam Burns is just a, a really good golfer without a personality. There's no edge to Sam Burns. I mean, great. You want to watch some great golf, watch him. I mean, Sam Burns, they, they could have used him. I don't know if he was in the field in the uh, the John Deere, but they could have used him there. Man. I just think that, I mean, some of these golfers that might not be really big names, they got the number two amateur I know a week or two ago as well. They could end up growing and developing into some of these top golfers, especially I think it's smart maybe getting these amateurs because they're not going to compete with the PGA now. They're not getting the top ten per se. But if they get some of these really young guys that we don't know right now, maybe in a year from now we will know them and maybe they will have some of the better golfers that they might not have had otherwise by going after these top-ranked amateurs. You Do you see that happening at all or a possibility? I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just learning about this. To me, it sounds like right now, get the most interesting guys, get them over here, like your Patrick Reed. He's more interesting than Sam Burns. He's, you know, now if you take somebody like Scotty Scheffler, who's not the most interesting guy in the world, but he's number one. Number one has has something to do with it. Yeah. Right. Xander, Xander Shoffley is a well-loved guy. You know, he won the gold medal in the Olympics. I mean, we, we, we everyone loves Xander. If Xander goes, it makes a difference. When you talk about being interesting, I also think, and I've said this before, with DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka, I think those guys with their rivalry, with maybe the dislike, so to speak, I think that could really build into something yeah. that's going to maybe you know get what? fans involved. I think that's gone. I don't think they're. Really? I don't think. I don't think they're hangry at each other anymore. Everybody seems to be in such a good mood on the live tour. You know, the, another aspect is the is the team play, and you've heard play, players say it on the PGA tour in the past. You know, I play for myself, everything's for myself. Here, you're playing for yourself, sure. But, uh, okay, am I going to go play conservative on this hole or am I going to go for it? Well, you can't just take yourself into consideration now because you're playing for a $5 million team purse. So I can't just play for myself. Now i got to think about, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I'm holding up my team. Everybody's minus two and I'm plus one. If I do this, it's going to bring the team down. That affects your decision-making to a certain point as well. And these guys love playing it. They love playing for a team. They get together. They get together before. There's I don't remember what team it was. Just said, yeah, you know what? We'd say hi and whatever. We'd be cordial to each other on the PGA Tour. Under the Live Tour, we all get together before, 
afterwards we go have a beer and a hot dog or whatever. I don't know, a hot dog. What, we, a, you know, they go out and have a couple of beers together to the end the day. They're just, it's a different vibe. That's what they're getting from playing. And maybe it's because it's a us against the rest of the world uh, type of feeling they might have. But it's a different vibe that the Live Tour is providing. So much so, and I'll say it again. The golfers are calling their guys they know on the PGA Tour saying, you got to get over here. you got to get over here. I saw where Paul Casey has already been put on a team for the next tournament, which I believe will be in New Jersey at Trump's court. He'll be with uh, Bryson DeChambeau's team. So he's already mm-hmm. been put on a team for that one as well. You mentioned, I might have been off the air, but Jerry Foltz, frequent guest on our show, he is uh, one of the analysts on the Live Tour when you watch it on YouTube. Who are the other people? Are there any familiar names that are on the oh, broadcast? Oh, I don't know. No. Nobody that you I don't know. Okay. I mean, but uh, they, they could be famous people. I just don't know who they are. Um, it's... You know, it seems like they always have to have somebody with a British accent or a Scottish accent. <laughs> you know, it's, it's I'm watching the Golf Channel. Like, it's like really, everybody's got an accent. It's like there's no American. It's like this is this is my this is, this is a bad way of thinking. What? There's no American that could do that job. Come on. <laughs> a good way of looking at it, I guess. Interesting I mean, way. can't you be on the English version of the Golf Channel? Why are you on our channel? Come on. Part of the attraction, I guess. All right, let's get a uh, we'll get a surf update and more coming up with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu 92.7 FM and 14:20 AM. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast. Back with the animals on this Tuesday morning. And if you've listened to us when we were on in the afternoon, it wasn't that long ago. What we would do every day is to give an update of the Hawaii baseball players, former Hawaii stars in the major leagues. We're going to do that in the morning from the night before, unless they happen to be playing in the early morning, which they might do from time to time. Yesterday, Josh Rojas for Arizona had a really good afternoon. Two for four, had an RBI, scored a run, and also had a double in that game. Colton Wong came in as a pinch hitter, no official at bats, and ended up playing second base late in the game. Isaiah Kainafalefa, the New York Yankees, were off yesterday, which some people were surprised. Why would you have the Yankees off on the 4th of July? Even the Phillies were off. And Kurt Suzuki for the L.A. Angels as well were off. So that is the latest for the Hawaii Major League Baseball players. We, I think, all had a great time this past weekend celebrating Bobby Bonilla Day on the 1st of July, which we do every year with those deferred payments, and we've talked at length about that. I was not aware that there are a whole bunch of Major League Baseball players that have a similar deal. Maybe not quite to the extent of what Bobby Bonilla got, but there's a lot of players getting deferred payments, and I'm going to give you some of them right now and the outrageous money, amounts of money that they're getting. Now, Max Scherzer, who is coming back by coincidence today, will be his first start for the New York Mets. I like the sound of that. In over a month, he had the oblique injury. He gets $15 million a year for seven years. Now, it starts this year, and it's not from the New York Mets. This goes back to the Washington Nationals. From 2022 to 2028, $15 million a year for seven years. It must be it's like a, it's like your own personal IRA account or 401k that you get all this money. I don't know if Max Scherzer and I would doubt he'll be pitching 
at 2027, 2028. Regardless, he's still going to get $15 million a year. I thought Bobby Bonilla money was pretty outrageous, and it is with over a million. Max Scherzer getting $15 million for seven years. Incredible for him, and I'm not done. Steven Strasburg, still with the Washington Nationals, although he's still injured. He made a comeback briefly and is back, I think, on the injured list. He's going to get $80 million in a two-year, a three-year stretch. From 2027 until 2029, again from the Nationals, $26.6 million a year for three years. Comes out to just under $80 million, and I'm pretty certain that he won't be pitching in those years as well. I don't know if these were all done to help out the team or the player. I guess it's kind of a mutual deal. With Benia, it was great to get the money later on. And also it helped the Mets you know, throughout the stretch as well, though I'm not sure how much it helps him now. But the money that he was getting, again, a little over a million. Max Scherzer, 15 million. Strasburg, 26.6. Here's another player from baseball making a pretty good amount of salary. Francisco Lindor. He's on the New York Mets right now, and he's going to have to wait a while. But starting in 10 years, from 2032 to 2041, he'll get $5 million a year. And that comes from the New York Mets contract that he had. He might be there in 10 years, maybe not. He certainly won't be there in the year 2040 and 2041. One more on this list, or a couple more. Jacob deGrom, $52.5 million deferred. He started making $12 million a year in 2020. It goes up about a million and a half every year, $13.5 million last year, $15 million this year. Then it starts going down a little to only $12 million a year, but a total of $52 million in deferred payments. Christian Yellick was a former MVP for Milwaukee, and he was, in fact, he was on Hawaii Five O a few years ago. Actually, it was Magnum, I believe, that was on. He's getting $28 million in deferred money, $4 million a year from 2031 to 2042. Um, it's two forty four million a year now. It'll go if his mutual option is declined, then it'll go to two and a half million. But he's going to get it all the way twenty years from now. He'll still be getting money. In- incredible that these players are getting it. And Freddie Freeman, who just signed with the Dodgers, that six year one sixty two million dollar deal, fifty seven million of it is deferred money. And starting in two thousand and twenty eight until two thousand and forty. He'll be getting an undisclosed amount, but it'll add up to $57 million and no interest on there. And I think that's key as well. These players are doing it to help them with their taxes instead of getting it all right now or in a small window, a frame, a window frame of three, four years. You stretch it out and you get no interest on it and you end up coming out with more. You just have to wait for it. Chris Sale with the Boston Red Sox has been injured a lot the last four years. He's going to get $10 million a year from 2035 to 2039. Just one more. Alex Cobb with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he gets from the Baltimore Orioles $5 million a year through 2025. I really thought that Bobby Bonilla was the only guy to get this. I've heard rarely about another player here and there, but not to the amounts these guys are getting. 
and it benefits the team. You don't got to pay that all right now. Keeps you out of the luxury tax or the tax threshold, paying more money. And for the player, that helps them out tax-wise. You're not paying as much in taxes and no interest on this, but you're getting money way well into your retirement. Again, some of these guys are going to get the money 15, 20 years from now. I wonder how much of a trend that will continue. Again, the players I mentioned are all playing. Bobby Bonilla got it in retirement, and I believe many of these players are going to start getting it maybe at the end of their careers. But well under retirement, you're getting $10, 15000000 million a year. Not a bad way to make a living into retirement. I don't think you missed the money now, I would think, but you're going to get all that money later on. The heck with Social Security and IRAs. You're going to get all this money from your Major League <laughs> Baseball team. Pretty good deal. And I did not realize, again, that amount of people getting it just like Bobby Minia. Maybe one day Max Scherzer will have his own day. It'll be Max Scherzer day when he gets $15 million a year for not mm-hmm. playing baseball. Not a bad gig at all. No, it's not. I, I just think that's a good way to go about it. And I guess there's more and more players that have been getting this kind of dollar amount and Big, big money. Maybe Aaron Judge someday will get this when he gets his new contract as well, which will happen in the offseason. But not bad money for MLBers getting paid like this in deferred payment. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> I thought you would have more to say on I was, that. I was just going down the list. I was enjoying your list. I, I, it's Yeah, I, that's great. Sorry. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, while I got a minute here, I just wanted to bring up something. It's just a small thing. Elle Duncan is on SportsCenter. You know who she is, right? Sure. She wrote on Twitter yesterday. Let me get the exact tweet. Because this is something I don't think you ever heard of before. Uh, She said, my flight is being held up because a woman has an emotional support turkey on the plane, and they aren't sure if that's allowed. An emotional support turkey. I've never heard of that before. And I know people have sometimes different animals than dogs on planes for emotional support. How is a turkey giving anybody emotional support, I wonder? I don't know. Around Thanksgiving, you feel pretty good about turkeys. <laughs> that might be true. But this, I guess this was re- very recently. She tweeted this out yesterday. Hmm. But I, I, there are different animals that I think people have brought on planes for emotional support. For some reason, I'm thinking I heard of a goat. But mostly <laughs> you would think of a dog. But a turkey? I just don't understand that. But imagine getting your plane held up for that. That would be a little <laughs> bit unusual there. But I just wanted to throw that in there. Where does the turkey sit on the plane? Do you put him under the seat, or what's the deal? You buy a ticket for the turkey? or? Well, I would imagine it would be the same as a dog. Where is a dog? Dog doesn't sit in the seat. you got to have him in his cage or whatever you would call it, a dog pouch or a dog purse if it's a small dog. Um, I don't know. What What do you have in your purse? Um, Capital One. Not there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> um, I've never. I've actually brought a dog on a plane for a friend. Brought him to Las Vegas, and you have to fill out tons of paperwork. And it was like fifty dollars or ninety dollars, something in that. I think I got paid fifty dollars, and the dog cost ninety dollars. But you feel bad for animals on a plane. I mean, I know there's been stories of animals not surviving. Uh, but they made sure they had water and all that good stuff and everything like that. But uh, I don't know. I guess a turkey would have to be um, contained. You don't want to have a turkey walking up and down the aisle. Yeah. Let's regroup. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. Hey, it's the Sports Animals in the morning on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And, uh, the you know, we haven't touched on this in a while. And, you know, it looks like.
conference realignment is going to happen sooner than we think. Now, CBS Sports is reporting, and uh, you mentioned this earlier, they are in deep talks, whatever that means, deep talks with bringing more Pac-12 teams to the Big 12. Arizona, this is the latest, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, uh, due to their geographical location, and Oregon and Washington, all going to the Big 12. What would that leave the Pac-12? As a group of five conferences. What? Almost like a group of five conferences, almost. Well, I mean, they, they'll still have your, I don't know, uh, your some of the... Some of the, um, you know, some of the named schools. Now, remember, the Big 12, when Texas and Oklahoma said they're leaving, and when are they leaving? No later than 2025. They could could pay and leave earlier. It's supposed to be a very significant amount of money if they want to leave earlier. Right. So they've already, the the Big 12 is already added, as you remember. BYU. Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston. So you've got Baylor, who's kind of the big dog in the conference, I would think, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. Oklahoma State, Baylor, and then you're going to have your BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston. I'm wondering if the Big 12 contest, is the Big 12 conference is is wondering, like, oh, gosh, I wish wish the Pac-12 would have fell apart sooner then maybe they wouldn't be with Central Florida and Cincinnati and Houston. Although Cincinnati's been good lately in football. Houston, pretty good. Central Florida, pretty good. BYU, yeah. I mean, you bring a lot with BYU, a lot of money, a lot of uh, national uh, audience. Uh, but I'm sure they would. <laughs> but nowadays it's all about numbers, too. I guess the bigger the, bigger the conference, the better the conference. You're not only going for quality. I think nowadays you're going to be going for quantity as well. But I would also argue that the four schools that are going into the Big 12 that you mentioned are better in football today than the four schools you're looking at in the Pac-12. Both Arizona schools have been really bad lately, and Uh Colorado hasn't been that good. Utah was in the championship game at least once, if not twice. They've been good. But other than that, I I don't know if that's a major upgrade football-wise. Market-wise, it might be. But, I mean – the schools that they're getting are also covering different footprints around the country from the other schools like Florida, Cincinnati, right. and, you know, Houston. Right. Well, Houston's a big market. But the yeah. problem is that Houston isn't Houston's favorite college football team. Uh, I wonder. You're thinking about it? Yeah. You think more people root for Houston than Texas? In Houston? In the, yeah. I don't know. It might uh, be. Uh, nah, you, you, you're a little off. There, that. that that whole state roots for Texas. Not or Texas a lot A&M. Of them, uh, no, Texas A&M. They can't Texas stand A&M, Texas. Texas A&M and Texas. Sure. Why do you think Texas still has all that money? They're not They're not following. The Texas A&M has so much support. That's why they have the money. That's why um, more and more people keep giving to Texas. Texas A&M, oh, they're, sure, they're good. But I think that a lot of it's a lot of those old-timers, they're still rooting for Texas. Not Houston. If Houston's you live in Houston, I'm saying if you live in Houston, I, 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 you, I, Houston is very popular there. Again, I and I know A and M is. I think and you know, Tech. you know this why? Just by being around the area and seeing what's written about the team and stuff like that. 
I mean, the, the coverage there is pretty intense for Houston. Now, it is for Texas, but again, College yeah. Station is, is closer to Austin than Houston is. It's not like Houston right. is that close. Well, because Texas A&M has a bona fide powerhouse football program and a tradition. Houston doesn't. No, they don't. No. Yeah, I, that's why. I mean, they were just going, okay, who will come here? I'm sure they. If this was, if this happened today, maybe they do go out and get BYU, maybe Cincinnati, but they leave Central Florida and Houston where they are, and they take more teams from the Pac-12. They call up Cal or Stanford and say, "Hey, you want to join the party?" They're not. They're not going to join Houston or Central Florida. Why would you think Cal or Stanford are more suitable or better for the Big Twelve than Houston is? Uh, I think it's uh, more of a probably it's a bigger name, I guess. Bigger okay. name, way better, uh, way better. Um, um, it's a better, there's smarter people that go to. What's the word I'm looking for? Obviously, I don't have it. It's a uh, better academic institutions in Cal okay, and Stanford. Yeah, yeah. I think that brings a lot to a, a conference. Um, so a I think there's market, a, a total number of reasons. Houston's a big market, but so Rutgers is in a big market too, aren't they? They're near New York. They're not. They're like 80, 60, 70 miles from New York City. All right. So give me, give me another. That. There's a, there's other examples out there where you're in a big market, but if nobody cares, then what does it matter how many TV sets are there if no one's watching you? Yeah, but Houston hasn't been like a doormat. I mean, they've still been good. They've been a bowl team. They've been competitive. You know, it's they've not been, like they've been a bowl team. <laughs> well, it's been not a bowl like they're team. right, but, it's, but you're making it sound like you know, they're, 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 you know. I'm nothing. saying compared to compared to the schools they could have got, I'm telling you right now, in my humble opinion, that if you had some of these Oregon's and Washingtons out there looking for a place to go, you wouldn't have taken Houston. You would have taken Oregon or Washington. Wouldn't you say that's the fact? Well, that's different than Stanford and Cal. That's that's well, another point. I think Stanford's a you know Stanford's been a pretty good football program. They go to bowl games. Plus they bring them the academics and they're good in all sports. What sport is Stanford bad in? I can't think of one. Women's, I was going to make a joke. Uh, I, I, I think I don't know if you're going to grab a team. I mean academics we know matters, but if you're looking at a school, I think football. What the football program brings is the, is the number one on the list. What do they bring as far as the market, TV exposure, yeah. recruiting, all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, what what you bring to them, yeah. So do you bring a big market? Sure. Do you bring a championship style, uh, uh, you know, you're going from group of five. Remember now, Houston's going from group of five to power five. Is Houston a power five school? Or is Stanford a power five school? Well, Stanford's a power five school already. Houston's yeah. just getting their, you know, they've had a couple of okay years in football, and that's it. But they were better than some of the other options out there. They were scraping from the bottom of the barrel of available teams. So Houston is darn lucky to be in the uh, to be in the uh, going into the Big Twelve. It's like Hawaii. If if it wasn't for University of Hawaii and where we were coming off of a Kowak championship in football, I don't think that we joined the Mountain West. The late Rodney Freitas got us in to the Mountain West, West Conference. Now, if Norm Chow was our coach and we hadn't won, you know, we won two games in two years or whatever it was, I guarantee you we bring nothing to the Mountain West Conference. And we're not in a conference. We're not in the Mountain West Conference. We brought a 12 team and we paid for the travel. We brought that at least. Right. But that's that's what we're going to bring whether we're good or bad. That's what we had to bring to the table. What I'm getting at 
is that if Hawaii was Norm Chow was coaching, then Hawaii would not be in the Mountain West Conference. And I think that we should, you know, if you're going to think about legacy, that's the legacy of Coach Mack. Yeah, I would also think that I think Houston maybe brings more to the Big 12 than UCF. UCF had the really only good stretch when McKenzie was there, for the most part, in Dylan Gabriel. Before that, mm. they were never really known to be a football power. And since then, I'm not sure. They've had so many different coaches. I wonder if they'll be able to continue that run. Right. Is it Gus Malzahn who's the coach yeah, now? Yeah, Gus Malzahn is there now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a that's a, that's another great point. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh keep listening at 12 hey, who knows. There might be news by 12 noon when Let's Talk <laughs> Sports with Kanoa Leahy comes on. Josh Pacheco's at 3 o'clock, and we'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 here. It's the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh we'll see you tomorrow.